when good movie reviews took over the internet. This situation must be controlled before it's too late. When bad beer filled the fridges. People have got to start to fight back and hard. They came to clean it up. <coughs> YouTube, podcasters, and viewers, beware. This is a homicide or a bad beer movie. Starring Lee Barton, Nathan Pinkering, and introducing Ben Arnold. In Beer and Bad Movies. So, welcome back. This is our third episode and our summer special. I'm Ben, I'll be hosting today. Joining me as always is Mr. Lee Bartlam. Hello. And of course, as always, Mr. Nathan Pickering. Where I come from, they call them Baldies. Hello. <laughs> so... We've got a lot to talk about tonight because, as you both know, we watched a very campy, very over-the-top, uh, a very cheesy classic. It's a slasher film. It was uh, pretty much a sleeper hit when it was released. Didn't really ruffle any feathers, went a bit under the radar, but recently it's become known as a bit of a classic. So it's, uh, it's probably best known for its surprising conclusion. We aren't getting too much away yet. We will be dipping into spoiler territory. So just, I would recommend watching this one before we get into it. So you've probably all guessed it from the title of the video. And if you do follow us on Letterboxd, you will know that this is the 1983 slasher Sleepaway Camp. Um, so we've got Angela Baker, a shy, um, definitely traumatised uh, young girl. Um, she is sent to, to summer camp, which is one of those, um, if you're unsure what a summer camp is, it's one of those American places by a lake. They kind of throw them all in, don't they? And they all have a fun time. Uh, she went there with her cousin. Shortly after her arrival, anyone with sinister or less than honourable intentions gets there and hears a big word, comeuppance. Um Perfect description for that film. I, I think it's, it's a very nice paragraph that, that nails it 100%. Um, few few bits of information for you. The director is uh, someone called Robert Hiltzik. Uh, it was released 1983, November 18th. It had a tidy budget of $350,000. Opening weekend was a 433 So got the money back straight away, praise the Lord. Um, and overall, it grossed eleven million. So obviously, they made a bit of a, a bit of a tidy bit of profit there. IMDb um, six point three, and Rotten Tomatoes we got a seventy seven percent. That year, other than of course large blockbusters, which we are not obviously where B movies we don't we're not talking about them blockbusters. Well, every now and again they'll crop up, but we're we're dismissing them. We're we're dismissing all them good films. I mean, blockbuster film. We're going. We're talking about the the B movers. We have a um, Videodrome uh, by David Cronenberg, and I'm guilty of not watching this one. I checked the trailer out earlier, and good lord, it is very interesting. Um, I, I I'm, I'm a bit of a loss for kind of words on how to describe it, but um, I really want to dig into that film. I want to watch that film. I think that'd be a great one to talk about at some point. We have Christine John Carpenter. I know nothing of that one. Psycho 2, Richard Franklin. I haven't seen Psycho 2. I was just saying to these two earlier. I have seen Psycho 1. 
Um, you guys got any information about those? Yeah, um, just on Videodrome, it is a body horror classic. Obviously, Cronenberg is the master. And for any fans out there, they'll say, Long live the new flesh. Um, and, yeah, definitely watch that one. As for Psycho 2, I would say, and this is a controversial hot take, that it's better than Psycho 1. But it's, uh, it's, it's Anthony Perkins reprising his role. It's like set 30 years later when he comes out of the loony bin. And basically, he's trying to live a normal life. And you kind of feel sorry for the guy, but people won't leave him alone. And yeah, it takes a turn for worse. Good film. Was it Was it made 30 years later? Yeah, exactly 30 years later, I think. And he, well, that, he, so he was it was actually locked up in real life then. And when he came out, they were like, yeah. oh, let's make another film. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, check it out. I definitely recommend it. If you like That's Psycho 1. But yeah. Yeah, I, I ain't seen Psycho 2. I've obviously seen Psycho 1. Um, Psycho 2, I do know about it, and it does look good. Uh, I've seen Video Drum. Uh, but my favourite from the list is Christine. Um, it's a Stephen King adaptation, um, and everyone knows I love Stephen King. And it's like a mm. 1950s uh, dweeby kid that gets a car, and he becomes basically emo Spider Man. Um, like, like from the, the Toby Maguire ones and it, the car kills people and it can regenerate and it sounds ridiculous but it's a proper good film it's uh, got some it's good cinematics and good cheesy actors even though it's like a, a top film it's, it's, it's a bit demon aggressive I'd, I'd give that one a watch I love that I love that b movery. Yeah. that's a great it's got a bee I think we should say all the time mm. that's really b movery. Yes. b movery. And that's the slogan on the T-shirts. Yeah. It's be mover. Be mover. That's what we need. <laughs> I'll get it. I'll get them met. Yeah. Thanks for giving me that bit of information about those films. I think um, I'm going to watch Psycho one again. Then if I feel like it, I'll, I'll get that Psycho two. Don't know about Chris Dream, Christine, but I'm definitely going to watch a uh, video dream. So that's enough for that chat. Let's get on for the trailer, which is coming along now. Dear Mom and Dad, I've been at a sleepaway camp for almost three weeks, and I'm getting very scared. Welcome to sleepaway camp. Someone is watching you. Hey, Baba, Reba! Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Turn it! Turn the wheel! Oh my god! Sleep away, camp. You won't be coming home. Hope you enjoyed the trailer. Right, and I'll introduce what beer we've paired. Um, this one, it's a little bit different. Uh, we've gone with a sour-style beer, which is traditionally done with uh, like wild yeasts. Normally, when you're brewing beer, you do you want everything as clean as possible. This one's a little bit dirty, uh, but in a good way. Uh, it's more acidic, it's more tart. It has a sour taste, if you can't guess. Um, you've got traditional beer styles, um, like Belgian Lambics, uh, Gerzes, I've just read that, um, as you can tell. Um, Gozers and Flanders Red Ale, uh, just to name a few. Gozer! Uh, Gozer, uh, 
but yeah, that's the, I cannot can't get me about words. Um, but yeah, we pair, we've got some good sour beers. Um, the one I've chose this time, the can's gone wet because we've left it that long, is uh, Fallen Acorn Brewery, and it's Have You Got Any Samples? It's 7% and it's a sour ale. Um, and the reason I've chose this one, uh, it sort of goes with why we've decided to have a, a sour one. Um, it's because it's got a little bit of a twist on stuff. It's got something a little bit different, um, but in a good way. Um, so I think I think it pairs really, really well. Um, the one I've got it's vegan as well. Uh, that's why I've. That's the only reason I've chose it. Uh, well, not the only reason. Just but. to dip in, what makes what makes a, a beer not vegan? They had, like, have to I swill it round with the bones of the dead. Animals. No, they put swim bladders in from fish. That's it's eyes and glass. It's a, a finding. And you can get lactose. Fuck off! What yeah. is that about? Yeah, you can get lactose in it as well. I forgot about lactose. Yeah, eyes and glass gets. It's in most beers that it um, clears the protein out of it. You know, to make a clearer beer. So that's no, it's powdered, powdered. Uh, I can't remember which fish, but a fish is swim bladder basically. Uh, this one is raspberry, blackberry, and passion fruit, and it's got vegan marshmallows added into it, and it's made like sort of smoother. So I'm expecting it to be thick. So um, let's see if it is actually thick, because I do like a thick sour. This is actually my favourite uh, style of beer. Uh, not that Ben shouts at me every time I drink them because he thinks I drink too many, and he likes likes a mixture. That does look actually like a smoothie. I don't know if you can see. It looks like a like a proper yeah. fruit smoothie. What is that? It's a sour fiend, Dave. Yeah, I love it. They just sit on them sours all night. Yeah, it gives... Too much acid. Too much acid. Yeah, it gives... gives yeah, it gives me a proper bellyache, these. After, after, like, six of them. For people who don't drink them normally, they are a good, like, palate cleanser. So if you're drinking, like, heavy stuff, like stouts or New England style, it cuts through, like, quite nice. Ooh. So have one in between. I'm, like, one of them drinkers who will have one every, like, four or five other beers. Okay. But I'll have one every single time because I, I love sour stuff anyway. But you can't just on repeat, just both. <laughs> the colour's not picking it up very well, but it's it is quite pink. You can't really it looks like a brownie pink, but it does look like an actual smoother. Looks thick and muddy. Oh, yeah, that. I, that's that's how I like them. I, just, I mean look at like residue <laughs> it's leaving on glass, you can tell it's thick it with looks that. Terrible. It's terrible. It, it smells <laughs> delicious. <laughs> it looks like your kid's gone, Dad, I made this like drink out of these ingredients out of the cupboard. Do you want it? And you go yeah, mm. that's what that's what I like. That's exactly what I like. And we've all done that, haven't we? With our kids, go, mm. yeah, lovely. It's like <laughs> straight away. It's extremely thick, extremely sour, but both of that is really good. The mouth feels perfect. There's no head on it. I don't know if you can tell properly, which is a bit strange. But I think it's because of how thick it is, and it's um, it tastes banana, but it didn't say there were any banana in it. That might be uh, that might be the marshmallows, but. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd rate this one highly. It's uh, not my favourite sour, but I'll, I'll tell you after I've drank more on it. But um, I'm sure you haven't had uh, sour before, have you, Lee, have you? I, you see, we, we spoke about this a minute ago, and it's like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Ben says they're pretty new on the scene, like you don't get many shots very often, and... Like I'm not sure, so but I have the habit of picking random beers and just going, oh, that's I'm I'm a, I'm one of these that like if it's on offer, I just kind of go, I'll just try mm. it. Um, but who knows? I'll uh, I'll get mine. Um, all right, straight in. I don't think I've had one by this brand, but I do know 
that one of you two said that it was a decent one. So I'll lift it. Whether you can. I don't know. I don't know if you're going to be able to, to actually read that, but it's by a company called Vault City Brewing, and this is a raspberry sour at five percent. Is there anything interesting to read on the back? Oh yes. Celebrating the king of Scottish berries, the humble and mighty raspberry, grown in the foothills of the Cairngorm Mountains. Uh, tart, juicy and sweet in equal measure. Just how I like my women. <laughs> They've got this beer. And um, let me find a, a, an opener. I have one. I've gone for the classic. Oh, I'm out of focus. One second. Let's get it back. It's okay to leave in some bloopers. Whatever. Um <laughs> Uh, I've gone for the traditional one that your grandma would have to open her tins here, uh, which sometimes work and very often don't. We've got a mechanical tin opener. They are beautiful. Right, let's pop this open. Just uh, to mention Vault City, they are one of the best in uh, Britain at sour beers. Probably one of the best in the world, to be honest. Oh, okay. They're a Scottish one. I don't know if that's a thing that makes a difference, but... Right, I'll pop this in here. I've, I've, I'm being a bit, not very, you probably won't approve of this, but I've just had a drink in the car. <gasps> it's fine, Sacrilege. it's fine, it's fine. It was water. <laughs> anyway, right, let's go for it. I don't know what I'm expecting. Okay. Oh dear, what is this? Kind of cloudy. Slightly cloudy. Ooh, a little bit of a head, but I think that's going to go away. Okay, I can't get any more in. Right. Let's have a sniff. Ooh, it smells like a smoothie. Mm. You know, like you know, it does have that the real fruity. Right, let's have a taste. I'm gonna have a sip. Oh, that's interesting. What is that? Ooh. Second sip's always best. I find on a sour because you get you've got rid of that. Ooh. It's sour, and then you can like mm, yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. I took that sip and it was like, okay, I needed to tickle my tongue, you know, that kind of like a. But that second one, it is sour. Ooh, it's got me. It's got me tingling. You know when you get one of them. You know when your kids get them sour sweets, and before you put it in your mouth, your mouth's going Bleh! like that. It's doing. It sort of does that. That's what you want. A good face sucker. Yeah. A good face sucker. That's another good description of a of a woman. <laughs> They're just bearing women, they're hand in hand, aren't they? Strong, strong in flavour. The raspberry proper kicks you in the face, proper tickles you. Um, a sort of sweetness, but that sour is very, very strong. That is quite nice, actually. I think it was about three quid. That I think it was about about three quid. Yeah, that's uh, that's cheap for them because Vault City, you're looking at seven quid to nine quid a yeah. bottle they started doing these for tesco so for for a cheap entry level like if you've nice. never had a sour beer perfect common as common as sour beer right there yeah perfect that was pretty good yeah i'm i can't actually can be honest with you, i quite enjoy that i'm I, i'm gonna right going off what you said a minute ago i reckon too many of them that's going to give me stomach yeah. ache um that sounds like a not that sounds like not a recommendation <laughs> But I do feel that it's that's, don't have. It's like when you say, say to your kids or whatever, don't have too many sweets. You're gonna get a tummy ache or your face will fall off or something. But genuinely, I think if I had maybe let's say four, I think my stomach at the end of the night and the morning would be going, "What have you done? What have you done to me?" Hmm. But 
that's pretty nice. I I will definitely um, try a different sour. What sort of um, Ben? I know you're going to tell us about yours in a second, but what sort of different flavor sours can you get? Sure, you can get everything. And if uh, if you're talking about Vault City, they absolutely they absolutely like do anything you could imagine, and they've bottled it and made a sour out of it. Uh, any flavour, I don't know, lemonade, bloody, tayberry, any weird thing you can think of, blood orange, passion fruit, uh, guava, lemon drizzle. Go on the website, just have a look. They'd be constantly oh, knocking them out of the park. I will definitely have a little, little look at that. Yeah, yeah. Nathan had a honeycomb and white chocolate one, didn't you, actually? That, that sounds weird, but tempting. Like, I'd, have, I'd have a go. I'll, uh, I'll grab my beer. So I've gone for uh, the brewery is the Vale, which is an American brewery. Uh, it's a sunshine sorbet, tasty. Ooh, nice little candy. I love that picture. Yeah, I it hasn't got much description on it, but from what I gather, it's basically a sunshine sorbet. <laughs> so I'm expect I'm expecting big fruit in the glass. Uh, nice summer vibes, and obviously. This has been chosen because we're bringing back memories of going... We personally not bringing back memories of going to summer camp, but if I was at summer yeah. camp as a child, I'm sure I'd be drinking summer along these lines, but without alcohol. Mm. So fruit juice, like uh, lemonade with a bit too much sugar, all them sort of vibes. So let's crack this one. I'm sure it'll be a good one. The Vale are a good American brewery that you don't see too often over here, so this one was quite expensive. But this one is don't look as horrible as yours. Yeah, it looks juicy. Colour, good. Look. That's a melted Solero. That is. Yeah, exactly. That looks very nice, doesn't it? Mm. Nice head on it. Ooh, it smell. It smells like a Solero and all. Oh, good. I'm tempted. I want one. Then, then again, knowing you, that cost twenty five quid. Nah, it weren't that. It weren't that bad. <laughs> You can you can uh, you can just smell it. It's gonna taste that like exactly what what it smells like. So if anyone's just listening to this, cast it's a very strong yellow orange colour that does a hundred percent look like a melted celery. Ooh, that is that is fucking beautiful. <laughs> that that is a melted celery. I'm telling you, it's mouthfeel and all just feels like. That. That's what I like about sours because. If you get a fruit tea, they always smell delicious and then taste like crap. When you get a sour, you smell mm. it and it, you think, oh, that smells fruity. Then you taste it and it actually tastes fruity or it tastes what it's supposed to taste like. Yeah, that's 5.5. Um, that's just like drinking juice. That, mm. that That's so nice. Um, I'm not sure I felt the percentage on mine. You know how when you have a drink, you can be like, oh, that's weak or, or Jesus, that's trying to kill me. On this one, I mean, having what a... percentage is it? Mine's mine's five. Mine's five. I don't feel it's that sourness, isn't it? Because you tend to get that you get that alcoholic kick from the taste, Ooh. don't you? You get that. There's a, there's a thing, but that being so such a strong taste, really, it punches you in the face before you can feel the alcohol. But as that, you know, that reminds me of like when you'd have those like. You know, like when you were young and you'd, just, you'd be slamming down the Bacardi Breezers and you wouldn't know how strong they were until you were drunk because they taste yeah. so strong. You know, like the watermelons or the orange, and you'd just be smashing them down and then you'd be like, Jesus. 
Um, cause, or yeah, or any sort of a lot of the spirits that you'd mix with, let's say, a lemonade or or whatever. So, title card appears. It's dedicated to his mother, who, who he mentions is a doer. After that, we get into the opening, which is a cold opening. It's like comes out of nowhere. You don't really know what's going on. But first thing is, there's a lot of weird relationships going off in this one scene, which you sort of have to get your head round to for it to pay off a bit later. So I'll just run through the relationships. Uh, I think I'm correct in this. So basically, we have John, who is the dad, and he is on the boat with his two kids, which are Peter and Angela. Messing around in a little lake, which is next to the camp where this film takes place. But this is this is set prior. This is like eight years prior to the events of the movie. So you've got John and his two kids, and sat with him is his gay lover, which is on the beach. They're an openly gay fam. Like the two the two gay men who have got kids and they're bringing them up. So the twins of Peter and Angela, like I said, they're, they're his kids and they're four years old. The identity of the mother is not really known and we presume that she must be dead or she must have left or something because not this is no plight on gay people, but in the 80s, the, if, um, if there were a gay couple with kids, the custody probably wouldn't go to the gay lover. So, so we were guessing that the mother is out of the picture. So when John, when the gay lover is on the beach, he shouts John and he basically says, oh, hurry up, the doctor's coming. She's on her way and then John says to the kids, oh, doctor so-and-so's coming whatever her name is, Dr. Thomas, I think it is. And uh, they go, oh, Aunt Martha's coming, Aunt Martha's coming. So if that were his sister or his sister-in-law, would he really call her Dr. Dr. Thomas? So that makes me believe that maybe they're just really good friends and maybe because he has maybe been cut off by his family, I don't know, or his wife left him, that maybe she's listed as next of kin. That's my tech on it anyway. I don't know if you two have got different views, but that's the convoluted relationship that's going off. I, I thought it was like his business partner or something, mate. So we're like... I thought it was just a fucking dude <laughs> on a beach. At the start, you don't know this, obviously, but... It's an obvious. I totally missed it. Nathan, please tell In me. In hindsight, it. it makes sense. But when I watched... When I you missed it, it. You missed it. Exactly it like, like I did. It like Doc's coming at half past four or something, and I thought he was like his assistant or something, like or like a business partner. I didn't. I didn't think he was like his lover. Yeah, they refer. They referring to Martha, the doctor. Yeah. I just see. I didn't get that until you said that. Yeah, because I've obviously seen this film quite a lot. This is what I mean. This gets complicated at the beginning, and when you first watch it, all this goes over your head. So these are the relationships. I'm just trying to like get it set out there. So when we go through it, because it does call back to it later. So uh, anyway, if we co- we covered that sort of, so you can sort of gather who's who. You've got two men who are openly gay and they're raising two children. The mother's out of the picture and they've got an aunt called Martha. So anyway, they mess it around on the boat and uh, it cuts to some teens then who are in a speedboat. They've got, uh, they've got a young lass that they're dragging and she's scared to death on that jet ski. Yeah. Like, she's screaming her head off. But obviously, they're not paying any attention. You've got, like, a young lass who's, who's like, coming on to the lad going, oh, can I, can I drive a boat? And he's like, no, I'll lose my job because this guy is a lifeguard for the camp. Uh, but obviously, they're on this... They must share this lake with some sort of holiday home. So they're all, like, having a laugh. Uh, he, he does let her drive. Um, and that kid's still screaming her head off behind him. So... The picture, the scene is they've got John and the kids in the water, these kids on a motorboat. Uh, Obviously, what you could probably guess happens next is the motorboat sort of, I wouldn't say it loses control, but they don't seem to realise that they're about to drive into two kids and the dad on a boat, basically. 
before it's too late and then the the jet ski last she's like trying to shout help she's like yeah. watch out watch out and they're both like <laughs> just like not even front of the boat, closer to the obstacle yeah. but the girl at the back who's on a jet ski sees them before that yeah it's a bit it's a bit weird that scene yeah they're just like what, what's she yeah. talking about they're like, I don't <laughs> anyway boom it's um that last up back at jet ski he's like oh my god ah! just won't shut yeah. up screaming like oscar worthy performance uh, the kids in the boat who have just murdered uh, murdered a family, potentially. They're just like, mm, what, did, did we hit something? Like, they don't know what's going on. They're like, oh, come on, should we just go? Like, they don't even care. Uh, but, yeah, basically, what happens is you see a load of life vests float up from, from water and a load of blood, and so we can deduce that some people are dead, which turns out that John is dead and one of the children is dead. So, um. This but you is, don't know. Yeah, you don't know who, which do children, you? which child yeah. died yet. So one of them's dead. John. So the dad's dead, and the, the child, one of the children's dead. And then we fast forward eight years later. We now meet the Aunt Martha who we were just talking about earlier. So this is her first scene, where we get introduced to her, and it turns out that she is now the foster mother to the surviving child. So the gay, the gay businessman, uh, beach walker gets thrown out of the picture. Donny is like, "No, sorry, it's mm. the eighties. You're gay. You've probably got AIDS, and and you're not having these kids." That was that was the attitude. That was it was in the eighties. If you gay, you had AIDS. You were like a disease. Um, so yeah, he's out of the picture, isn't he? And then it obviously goes to yeah. To the uh, I I don't want to say the weirdo of the film because there is some weirdos, but she's. She is one of the weirdos. She's <laughs> one of the major ones. I mean, she goes, yeah, overtly. In, I mean, it, she, the performance by the, I don't know the actress's name, is um, spot on for what she's trying to portray, which is like uh, delusional or something. Because you know, I won't go into the scene later on with her because she, she only appears yeah. in two scenes, really. With this one and the one, mm. that, which one Lee's going to talk about later. Um, I know. But she's obviously had a negative. Like there's a negativity coming off in a uh, in a in a sort of she's a nutcase kind of way, um, and it's obviously affected uh, one of the children, which is the surviving one, Angela, um, and then she's got a cousin, which is I, I it doesn't seem like it is, but it's her son, it's Aunt Martha's son, which is that that threw me a little bit because he seems really well adjusted. Well, in that first scene, also when the kids ask Aunt Martha's coming, they say, "Is Ricky coming?" Mm. And they said, no, Ricky's at his dad's. So, something happened between Martha and Ricky's dad, which is obviously, I don't know if this is what tipped yeah. her over the edge, but she is obviously batshit yeah, crazy. She's, so, maybe, maybe that explains yeah, that, it. Well, it explains it to an extent, because I don't know how much she could get away with <laughs> being as she is, but she's clearly like developed like some sort of split personality thing, because she'll be like, um, oh, it's time to go to camp now. Um, I hope you have a nice time. And then she'll look down away and then rub her fingers on her face and be like, because if you don't, that'd be really, really bad. Hurry, sweeties! We don't want to be late for the boss! Goodness, no. no that wouldn't do at all. And it like, it, it, yeah, it's it's very strange. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, wouldn't yeah, yeah. do at yeah, all. She's, she's like, it's, it's, I don't know whether that's that's something for later on as well, that she's sort of split personality in that way and that's sort of been put onto other people but that's that's a weird one um that whole scene just like setting it up uh they got off to camp i don't know but 
I don't know motives for sending him to camp as well. Um, I thought it would be something else. I won't go too much into detail, but th- why, why, why send him to camp when there's things that you you don't want people to know? I don't. That it seemed a bit off to me. That, that part it seemed a bit strange. Ooh, close to yeah, that spoiler on there. Something, Ooh. Out, something a bit. And it's like, why she she's well aware of what's going on, and she like she she forges paperwork. Um, which is strange that she does that for him. Um, but I've got your paperwork. Don't yeah. you worry. <laughs> it, it was all all a weird yeah. affair. And but because because we should mention she's a doctor yeah. as well. So she, she's somehow got a medical license. I so, don't know. Somehow <laughs> kept that medical license. She's got in the same way. Data is some sort of scientist in Star Trek. Just the she comes across like. Some kind of, I think it was, it was either Karina or I had said, "What is it? A yeah, fucking like robot? an android or something?" What is it? Just like, oh, hi, children. Today, woo, and it's like, it's like she's overly playing the part to the point of obscurity, and it, immediately, right? Okay, so I mean, this is something I'm talking talk a little bit about later, but yeah, weird, just weird, throws you. You've got a, you've got that initial first scene where it's like bang, you've got a massive accident. Second scene, who's this fucking weirdo? What is going off with this film? And then it, like I say, they they get um, uh, sorry for interrupting you, Nathan, but then they get obviously they go off, don't yeah. they? Well, yeah, that's it. They they arrive they arrive at camp, don't they? But I'll just say that 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 performance by Martha, the actress, is definitely intentional. You can tell she's like it because she's a nobody actress. She's probably stage trained. And she's just gone with that like weird vibe, and the director must have liked it. Yeah, but it's weird. It's not in keeping with anything else in the film. It's very out yeah. of whack, isn't it? Yes, I think it deserved a little bit more backstory to her, a little bit more a reason. In it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's a fan favorite. I know people love her, like, as you can see. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, after that, they um, they're at the camp, aren't they? They they arrive at the camp. They have a little bit of a a little bit of banter as they're walking down and then it's a typical arrival scene isn't it they all they're all like oh my god i'm here at the camp they all they're all rushing down this hill they're all wearing very similar clothes there's one very striking sort of chubby girl that i see who's kind of like i know i said you must have noticed her she's like she's well it's like all the other kids are like not chubby but then there's this like there's this one she's all dressed in black she's coming down so she stands up i feel I felt really bad for her. Like, that's what she's known for. She went to school and they went, my dad would make me watch that film. You've just, all you are is that fat kid running down a hill. I felt really bad for her. Like, oh my God, they could have done something else with her. Made her a bit more interesting or integral to the story. No, she, literally her credit should be chubby kid running down a hill. Just a fact. Yeah. They're coming down. And then during this arrival scene, there's these very... Creepy. No, well, no, we'll say there's these members of staff. They're off to the side. Um, um, they were coming down. So you see them coming down, and there's this group of people, and there's this one guy. Everyone knows the guy that kind of looks like this, overweight, hasn't had a bath in about a month, and he's just like slimy. And I'm like. All right, all right. We'll take him, the slimy character. I get this. I get it. But then he suddenly goes from slimy 
into a blatantly obvious yeah. pedophile in a split <laughs> hot second. Look at all that young, fresh chicken. Where I come from, we call them baldies. Makes your mouth water, don't it? What is that? I mean, I'm just there going, <laughs> what are you doing? It's just an overt so pedophile, isn't it? We've gone from horrific opening, fucking weird, aren't it? Pedo Freddy and his gang. And I don't know yeah. what they're doing. And they're all like going, oh yeah, oh hey, hey, we're, we're, we're with the pedophile guy. Yeah, they, they I'm, laugh I'm, it off, don't they? Like, oh. I'm done. Hey, yeah, well, I'm done with this shit. Every year, we've got them smoothies or whatever oh. it is. Fuck it. Jesus Christ. What on earth? <laughs> uh, we're gonna, we talk a little bit more about clothing later. Um, but there's one guy who's like spent a little bit too long down at the gym. And he wears the tightest top you've seen. Like, us, I mean, that's Ronnie. It, that. that Ronnie's a rate legend. That dude's got got pecs for days, hasn't he? Yeah, he's the, rest he's of his the body, nicest the rest, guy. The rest of his body's pretty standard, but he's been in that gym. Someone, someone clearly said to him once, you know, you need a good chest, and he's like, oh my god, and that's all he's done. All he's done. He's got a massive chest. I mean. Like he'd, if he fell over, I I he'd struggle to get back up. It's, <laughs> it looks that heavy. It's that chunky compared to the rest of him. Um, but yeah, he seems like a nice guy. Yeah, hundred um, percent. They have a little chat, don't they? When they're coming down, the the young lad um, who's with Angela, he knows, doesn't he? He knows some of the other other people, and he he communicates with one of the girls, doesn't he? He's like, oh, we're back and. She's talking to some other boys, and he gets you can you can see something's going off there. They're obviously setting it up for later in the in the film, but yeah, they've all they've all arrived. Um, pretty pretty quick scene, but there was a lot revealed in it, wasn't there? Yeah, um, with the, with the staff and the. Uh, I think the it port. set it sets up them that paedophile as like, and he it's like you know he's gonna get his comeuppance like very soon, and it's it's gonna be a bigger payoff when it happens. Because nobody, even in 1983, is that much of a paedophile that they make it so obvious. That just like, oh. nobody cares. I said to my missus, I said, he's going to die first. Yeah. <laughs> I just said it. I just, I, did, I, I didn't even care. And, um, well, yeah, then we watched the film, the rest of the film. And and little sp- spoiler, fucker did die first, didn't it? <laughs> well, well, you said that, but he's the only one who doesn't actually die, if you think about it. <laughs> oh no 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 he's the first one that's attacked yeah isn't he? but he don't die yeah which well, is a bit of a die. shame is that saying something yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he oh, no, they, they kept the paedophile like, that's, like, that's like seeing Gary Glitter and going it's alright it's leaving it's, his time. it's fine yeah. it's fine and we'll, and we'll also use his music in that new Joker film <laughs> um, but yeah anyway um, so uh, so Ben <laughs> sorry you, you, you chugged that um, Solero sorry yeah so Obviously, talking about camp and not kids and whatnot, just dip into a few kids. Uh, we'll just highlight a few characters, talk about them, maybe a bit of dynamics between them all, a lot of characters. So, like you said, they all come running off this bus, these fat kids and that, but you notice at first that there's just a proper wide age range. There's like 30-year-old blokes, 12-year-old kids and toddlers and that, and they're just <laughs> running everywhere. It's like, what's, what's this camp aimed at? It's like, there's just so many, so many ages. But the main gra- the main gist of the film, like the tensions, always between the teenagers and the older kids. So uh, the thing that I rate loved about this film, which I don't know if you might not like it, but it's like all the filler scenes that they put in there, like the the, the playing the, the capture the flag and the baseball and stuff. 
I just, oh yeah, yeah. It's like at, at one point you sat there and you're like, I'm watching kids play baseball for <laughs> ten minutes. But at the same time, it's quite comforting just to you know them little bits of like being a kid and just enjoying camp. But before the what makes murdered. it even better? <laughs> yeah, before the brutal murder. But what ma- what makes it even better is that the kids have been they've been written like like real kids would be. They're like twelve year old, but they swear like troopers, and they've got fucking they've got great bad mouths on them and some great good insults and all that. And, and some terrible mm-hmm. shorts. Yeah, well, well, you'll you'll discuss the shorts soon, but. But yeah, they've they've got potty mouths. They're just down and dirty. And they're playing this baseball game, and it's like the the young kids versus the old kids. But the old kids are clearly like thirty year old men, and the young kids are about ten year old. It's like and the hatred between both of them. This there's like not even anything at stake in this match. I don't even think they know score one bit. Like Ricky, Ricky's like, oh, what, what score? But the this the fucking the the proper dropping f bombs and like going at each other and like I'm gonna fucking kill you. There's a lot of tension in this game. Uh, it's a nice little scene. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that reveals a lot of the young versus the old kids, like. Mm, that's what you're like. It, that, the film actually brought back a lot of memories from when I was at school, just having yeah. just older chat, kids. Yeah, shit, older kids shit that would, that. yeah, they'd just be like, treating you like a piece of crap, and it's like, well, I'm a human being. But, just leave me alone. And then there'd be younger kids that you could kind of look at and scare. Well, What's good about this is it sort of flips it on its head because the older kids are the ones getting beat all the time. It's always the younger mm. kids. The younger kids beating them at baseball. The younger kids are like squaring up to them and like fending them off and all that. So it's quite a nice little change of pace. But um, yeah. to, so Angela is gone to camp with her cousin called Ricky. So like he's the main boy in the film. And Ricky is like the fucking, he's the badass, isn't he? He's the cool kid. Mm. Everyone knows him. He's just the right. He's a nice guy, but he's a cool kid, yeah, yeah. so he gets on with everybody. And he's like I said, he swears like a trooper. He's got some amazing insults. Eat shit and die, Ricky. Eat shit and live, Bill. <laughs> and, uh, it's such a brilliant line. Yeah. Such a brilliant comeback, isn't it? It's like, oh, I'd live with yeah. shit in my mouth. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. Worse than dying. Ricky's the man. And uh, and even later when he's squaring up some kids, instead of calling him fuckers or you fucking bastard, he's just like. Fuck! I'm gonna beat your fucking ass with it! Fuck! Fuck! And he's calling these like lasses out, calling them bitches and that. But it's not only like the lads that swear, it's like the lasses have got potty mouths too. It's like. Fuck you, Ricky! You're just jealous. It's, it's just quite funny and it's nice to see because I don't think you'd see that in a film these days. You won't get kids that age swearing at that. So. You've got Ricky, you've got his best friend Paul, who you say who you just mentioned who he sees when he gets off a bus. He's just like a he's like a little kid. He's hanging around with Ricky. He fancies Angela a bit, we'll talk about that later. Uh, you've got one of their other friends, Mozart, who's the nerd, and he's like the Oh, I forgot about yeah. him. I'm glad you mentioned him. Yeah. I liked him. Yeah, he's the quintessential nerd, isn't he? Like the eighties nerd. And they're always pranking him and stuff. Yeah. Everyone loves Mozart. And like I think Nathan said to me earlier, his mum sent him to camp with like ill-fitting yeah. clothes because he's just not. Yeah, he's quite he's quite a chubby kid, and all his shirts are like right stretched up and like not nothing fits him properly. It's to inf- emphasize the teen yeah. man boobs. That's Maybe, what it is. but he gets pranked a lot, doesn't he, by Ricky and his pals? But he, he's one of them who can take a good yeah. joke, and he's in on it and all that. So it's all good fun. Uh, so as they're they're the they're the main like good kids, and then you've got Angela. Obviously, who's the main character? She's the she's the surviving child of this 
traumatic boating incident. Um, but because of the traumatic boating incident, incident, Nash is eight years. Well, I think she was four years old once year when she were in the accident. Nash, it's eight years later, so she's twelve year old now, and uh, she's basically don't really talk to anybody. She just keeps sent to her send, don't really say out, and because she's like a mute, everyone just seems to hate her like straight away. They're like fucking all older kids are always like checking her and that, and like one one lad even comes up to her and he's like. Yo, Angela, how come you're so fucked up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like, I'm sure like people, all of them are quite like, there's a lot of 80s villains in it and they're all bastards and all she does is basically not say out and they just fucking hate her yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah, but that's weird, isn't it? Not saying something. Yeah, that's weird. it's a bit weird. And Rick is very protective of her and that's when he gets into a lot of his scuffles. Yeah. He's, he's like a guard dog, isn't he? Like a, but like a chihuahua guard yeah. dog. Like comes running out every time something bad happens to her. He's sprinting after him and yeah. giving it as good as the, is but, it they get. So yeah, they're the like main little kids but there's a few like the older kids. You've got Billy and Kenny. Billy's uh, got a nice lining film. I gotta take a wicked dump first so I'll see you guys down there, right? <laughs> I like that line. And Kenny's just like a bit of a fool, like he just falls around. There's a nice scene later where he, when he actually gets killed, spoiler. Yeah, but he's just a bit of a cheeky chappy, but he's a bit of a douchebag and all. So uh, they're like the they're like the older lads, and then the the females are just as bad as the lads, and they're probably the queen being like the alpha bitch of the female group. It's called Judy, and. So, She's like, I think, I think how the dynamic I get is that she is jealous of Angela to an extent. Hey, how come Angela gets to talk to the boys all day and we have to play volleyball? What's she, special? Because we find out at the beginning that Judy's got a tits this year. So all, all lads are like, wait, Judy's got tits. And uh, this seems to me to project that she's like maybe become a bit of a slut because she's getting these like all the older kids are into it. Uh, and so I think that it's like an innocence loss that type thing. Like she can see herself like a year ago in Angela and she's a bit jealous like now that she's like transitioned to be this slut with tits. That's the vibe the I get. Yeah, do you think the casting was a bit off because um, they look the same? Do you reckon? I don't know. I think they're very similar. They both have that kind of... Um, Maybe it's... More they in... both have a similar face. They both have dark, long hair. They're so similar. They're not... Obviously, they're not the same. But this, I, I like to... I I would have preferred, preferred it if one of them was maybe blonde or a redhead. Or what... They, they, they were distinctly different in their physical look. I felt they were too similar. Well, Just think, a bit. I think, a bit too similar. I think the main thing between them is the body language and how they play it because Judy's always like centre stage, it's like posing like some sort of model and just the way she pronounces stuff and and then obviously An yeah, Angela's like very withdrawn and like she's rate childlike, whereas like Judy's trying to be older. Um so I think that's the biggest difference them both that stands out but you, you instantly know that she's the bitch but another character i know that nathan really likes and wanted to discuss uh, at some point is meg who's she's an older kid in the girls bunk but she's like she's a counselor isn't she she's like she's the older kids who help out yeah. like i'd say judy is judy's like the psychological bully and meg's like the yeah. muscle who backs her up 
So she's just as bad as Judy, but on more like a physical level. She's like one's checking Angela and that, where Judy will fuck with your head. So yeah, yeah. They're like they're your dynamics and your your main kids that you've got. So you've got like a young group full of close knit mates. You've got Angela, who's very out of place in the girls' bunk, and all the girls really hate her. Um, so th- that's all that sort of thing covered roughly. Um, so I think if you just want to move on to talking about the staff at the camp, so I know Lee's got some views on the staff. We've already mentioned a few of the staff, but we can go a bit more in depth on it now. Yeah, just a few of the staff. I mean, we t- we spoke about the kitchen staff. Well, we spoke no, we spoke about that big dude who was the head of the kitchen, and then there was the people behind him. I, I, I had a real, I have a real issue with stereotypes. Um, the kind of just, what are you doing. They're a bit, um, they're a bit hard, odd how they portrayed. Now, obviously, this is a, I don't, I don't want to say he's a famous actor, but obviously, his um, his son was extremely famous, James Earl Jones. Now, what was the, what was his dad's name? Robert. The, Robert. So, Rob, Robert Jones. Earl is it, is it just no, him? it's Robert, Robert Earl, Earl Jones. Jones. Yeah. Okay, okay. So he was uh, obviously Darth Vader's dad. Um, he came across as very. As very stereotypical black in it. Yeah. Oh yes, Amessa, I'll be cooking up a fine stew. You yeah. don't need to worry about me. And I felt like, oh, poor guy, poor guy. He gets so, a promotion though. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but at the same time, he he's obviously a nice. He he's a super nice character in in it, and he deserves his promotion and his pay rise that he ultimately gets. He's nice, but he's. Is enabling a paedophile in today? Well, I mean, well, we just have to think that maybe they don't realise what he's on about. Maybe they're just a bit stupid. There ain't no such thing as being too young. You're just too old. <laughs> um, because I don't think you get a gaggle of people of, of what six people, five or six people that the cat, the guy who ran the place would have clearly have known something was going off. It would have been reported. Something would have been found out. It was. I felt like it was just in there for the hell of it and odd. Well, we'll find out later. The guy who ran the camp is called who is called Mel. I don't know if you're going to talk about him, but he's actually a paedophile as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we've got the counselors who I feel weren't identified very well in the film up until the point they had that meeting, mm. sort of like maybe th- two thirds of the way through when they're all standing outside and they're, t- and they're talking about what they're going to do. And I'm like, he's like, you've got a day off. You're you're taking some young campers camping, which we'll cover soon. And I was like, he didn't even know about that. So he he just went to him, right, you're, you're, you've got the overnight duty doing the camping. And he's like, oh, oh man. And it's like, he wouldn't know that that was going to happen. He would, he would know he would have to be prepared and ready for it. It just seemed a bit out of the blue. Hmm. Other camp staff, you've got Mr. Tight Shirt yeah. and his pecs he's, hanging out. He's called Ronnie. He's called Ronnie. Ronnie, he's a very, very likeable guy. Yeah. He often appears like, hey, what's going on? And he would come to like... He's always trying to okay. help, isn't he? He's the, he's, the, he's the only one not trying to shag a child. <laughs> um, Basically. Potentially, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that the... the the camp staff are uh, an interesting bunch. I think they uh, they all yeah. play their parts, their parts, their parts well. Heading off to uh, the, the next part. Yeah. So obviously we've touched on the paedophilia in this uh, this this film. There's a lot of it, and it's very overt. So 
we'll just dip into another this film it's very layered it's very layered and there's a lot to it and it's like the more you watch it the more you peel back the layers and you start to realize that there's a lot of there's a very very there's there's a lot that are, is evident to start with but there's a lot of sexual overtones in this film and a lot of sexual like undertones so you've got the overt pedophilia uh, obviously lumped in with that is the sexualization of kids in this like there's no getting around it these kids have been sexualized in this film like we are hate to throw it in just to add to it you've got this gay couple which didn't need to didn't need to be in it at all did they as a, as, as a couple yeah like I, in the I, 80s well. i'll touch on it because this this yeah. film it's it's like it's become it's become this thing by accident i feel like it were it didn't mean to do any of these things but like more you get into it and dig deep, it's all there. So the kids are sexualized. I mean, they're all young kids, and like Judy's down to fuck, Meg's down to fuck, like everyone is down to fuck, and it's basically all about which kid's gonna get his end away. Like Paul wants to fucking have sex with Angela. He's always trying to crop a feel on that. So they've got all that layers. Which watching this film, it's like it's too violent and sexual for young kids, but it's a bit like it's got too much like child sexuality in it for. A, adult to watch it and feel comfortable it's so. uncomfortable yeah it's, it's very the in bit, the middle <laughs> although we'll talk about clothes in a second there was that bit where um uh judy suddenly appears in a bikini yeah and i'm like to me i see you as like a 13 14 year old yeah and i'm like you're in your bikini doing your best to push your tits out and it's like this is just awkward exactly this is this is like this is why I think at a camp like that, they'd probably insist the children wear like full-on burkas yeah. if they're swimming. Yeah, you know, like they'd be like, "Look, no bikinis, only swimsuits." It'd be that sort of a, you know, like a full. Is it? What do you call it? What's a swimsuit? Like a Not full. Swim. Yeah. It's just, it is. I was thinking, yeah, full-body swimsuit. Yeah, you'd wear that as opposed to like I don't think most young girls wear bikinis anyway. But it's like it's a bit, it's a bit thrown in, wasn't it? And that's. In like in the sexual overtones, yeah. she, she was pushing that. I'm a woman. Yeah. Look at me, this, Angela, with your no boobs. This is where I think it plays into that. What I was saying that like she's the one now who's becoming like a woman with sexuality, and she's yes. wanting to attract the older kids, and that that she sees the innocence in Angela, and that she's jealous of it. And like I said, oh, this is like hidden within the film, but you have to like look closer to spot it. Um, but. Another thing is talking about Meg earlier and the, the guy who runs the camp who is just some, like, literally a 60-year-old dude who's constantly smoking cigars. Um, <laughs> he, he is the horriblest cunt, like, a, a, an old man. And Meg... The horriblest cunt. Yeah. <laughs> Meg, Meg is, like, an attractive young woman, that one who's a counsellor, and she's, like, so into fucking Mel. Like, Mel, Mel asks her on a date and she's, like, got a spring in her step. <laughs> Like, this is what I mean about Mel being a paedophile, because he's basically going to shag Meg. And, like, she's clearly, like, 16 or something. And she's got, like, a spring in her step. She's doing her hair up. She's got six. She's, like, seriously into it, and it's weird as Oh, my fuck. God, I'm going to see this really old man. Yeah, there's, like, no reason for no. it. No, she, no, don't do that. She has to have some sort of daddy issues, uh, like, deep down. Something's fucked her up, like, and it'd be, it'd be good to know, like, there was no explanation why she's, like, attracted to Mel. Like, so you've got... They're, they're the kids and they're like they're all that sexual mess and uh, 
and then digging so going down even deeper we've said spoilers and stuff but we won't spoil it too much but i'll just say that it does there's transgender themes in the film as well i know a lot of this divides people because some people see it as transgender negative and some people see it as positive i've read plenty of reviews from trans people who have said that it's been an inspiration to them and it were a good light like when they were growing up and stuff like that and there's a it's like good theme to it so there's them themes hidden in it as well um and this pot i think i don't know if many people pick up on this i don't know if you two picked up on this but during the flashback uh, scenes i don't know if there's a bit of incest hidden in there as well because th- when the kids see the, the the two men in bed and then they sort of try and it's like they're going to replicate in bed themselves as like little kids which is all a bit weird yeah i'm not watching this <laughs> film again <laughs> So there's maybe that hidden in there. And then I do think, if you watch closely, there's a few scenes that I think there's a few, like, repressed... There's a few repressed kids in there who are, like, hiding the sexuality and not, like, wanting to own it. I think Paul... There's an hint that Paul could possibly be gay. Yeah, there's a little scene with Judy where he bump, where she bumps into him and she says... How you doing, Judy? You and Angela sure are becoming quite an item. So what? I just didn't think she was your type. You know what I mean? I gotta go. <laughs> she, like, says it in a way as in to insinuate, like, he likes boys. Um, so you don't know. There's sort of all that bubbling away under the surface. And the, the guy, Billy, who was the older kid, uh, you'll talk about his uh, dress sense, I'm sure, with the, like, cut-off tees and stuff. But he, he screams, like, that he's, he's a bit camp and then... Later on, all the lads go skinny dipping with the women, and they're like, "Well, they're trying to get they're trying to get the women to go skinny dipping." And Bill, Billy's leading the charge, and they all say no. So then Billy's just like, "Oh, come on, we'll just go anyway." Gets all the lads naked, and he's like slapping their asses. <laughs> and I'm like, a bit of me's thinking, is he is he really gay as well? Like, do you know what I mean? It's a bit. I think there's a lot of that lurking around in a few kids as well. What gets it? I think you've thought about this film a bit yeah, too much. I've seen it a lot, so. It, like I said, it more you analyse it, more you like you start to pick up on these little things. That's why I don't think you two seeing it for one time would. It benefits watching it a few times. I know you've just said you won't want to watch it again, but I'm not watching it again. <laughs> but just my last point on the sexuality and stuff is, uh, well, before my last point, sorry, I've got you. You touched on it about the gay couple at the start, and it wasn't needed and all that. But what I did actually like about it is that this were. I know it's a B movie and it's a bit hokey and a bit crap, but in terms of what it did at box office, it was number one. I think the weekend it came out, it was number one and it knocked uh, Amityville off. So it was a big deal when it came out. Uh, this this has a gay couple front and centre uh, with bringing up children and it's not even made a big deal or anything. They're not a vi- they're not the villains. Like normally in 80s, the gay, gay couple would be the villains. Uh, they're just a normal couple bringing up kids and it just gets brushed over and you don't really mention it. And I think that was quite a trailblazing move to make in eighties to just have the gay couple be a gay couple. I'm trying to think of a film where the gay there'd be like a really bad gay couple, just like, not like as villains. Yeah, I can't think of not like got, just not like cartoon villains. Like they would be the bad guy, or there'd be something yeah. about them that would be bad, or like you said about yeah. the AIDS crisis stuff like that. They'd be portrayed mm. in a negative way, whereas these aren't. These are just there and they're just incidental to the to the plot. Yeah, a family, yep. which is quite trailblazing to say it's a 1980s film. So, my last point is that the males in this film are more, they're sexualised a lot more than the women. 
you'd think like in most films, especially when they've been directed by men, it's the women who get like put in skimpy clothes and they get like put front and centre and all. But it's the men in this one; they're all dressed like uh, so skimpy and there's so many dick outlines and it's all a bit homoerotic. But the males are sexualized through the clothing, I think. Which I think I'll let hand off to Lee to talk about the fashion in this film. I haven't made any real notes on any of this stuff I'm talking about. It's just off the top of me. Just the clothes in this film are hilarious. Um, it's like all the worst elements of 80s clothes that you can think of. They've thrown them in this. The only, like I say, the only female that's sexualized would be the young girl in the bikini who appears out of nowhere, shouts at her, and then you just start seeing her and see her anymore. Uh, but the guys, what is going on? <laughs> you've got, I mean, ignoring the fact that you've got the typically dressed, um, you know, the scruffy chef, his, his outfit, you know, perfect. But we're looking at, we're not on about him, are we? We're on about the, like, the older guy, uh, Mel, who dresses, when he's going out, he dresses like he's trying to dress young and it's just like he's trying to appeal to something he has like really bright like like bright yellow or pink trousers on and it's just like really odd but then it the main the main sort of clothing which shouts here is the guys yeah what the fuck is that half yeah. t-shirt that you see i think you see two of them wearing it uh different it's either one guy that you no, see no, twice still, or, still. right and uh it's like do you know who was watching the or watching the, watching the football? Did you see that thing where that guy took his top off and he had that like that body monitor on it, like a sports bra? Yeah. And everyone's going, "What is he wearing a sports bra for?" And it was like looking at him, going, "Was that a thing? Yeah. Was in the eighties? Was that some sort of weird?" It were for like two months. <laughs> they just yeah. happened to film this in them two yeah. months. What is he wearing? And I get it. I'm thinking that would keep you cool. <laughs> that would keep you cool. But is there actually any point in wearing it? Yeah. At that point, you like might no, as well like no arms, not. No arms. Yeah. It's just, it's just, and it's right under his pec line. Yeah. You it's can like, probably see nipple. <laughs> if you lift it up, yeah. You know, if you lifted his arm up, it'd peek under. Just take just, at that point, just take it off. So then you've got the. Um, Years ago, footballers used to wear really short shorts, didn't they? Like, but I mean, it went from really long, like at your knees, to really short in like the seventies, eighties. But then now it's kind of like, like half top leg, isn't it? It's like down your thigh. But they're all wearing these, what would be, like, tight. I could, I can see Britney Spears wearing these. Yeah. Like in a prime denim shorts that were cut so high up. It might as well have been a fucking mm-hmm. thong. Yeah. They're that high. Butt cheeks are hanging out all over the place. <laughs> Tight t-shirts. That guy with the... So it's like they were casting. Need a dude with massive pecs to just wear... To be nice and wear tight tops. Yeah. So he has three or four different tops he wear. Both of them are two sizes too small. Just so he can look like he's... I don't know. It looks like he's got Reebok pumps Ooh. as a body. And it's just like this massive... Horrendous. The the clothing is horrendous throughout the whole of the film, especially like I say, especially with the guys. Going back to Ronnie with muscles, it's like a it's because they've got the shortest shorts and the thinnest shorts. There's a scene where Joe, I think it's when he takes Angela to see Cook, and for one point he like fucking dicks like in a kid's face because of where he stood, and he's he's fucking he's got the shortest tightest shorts on it. You can just literally see all his balls and his cock and everything. <laughs> Yeah, you say you've watched like, this film quite a few times, haven't you? Yeah, I've got that one saved, that bit. I pause it a lot. Yeah. 
That's next to your Akira poster. You got that one yeah. printed out of you. Is Ronnie's nom? It's just, a, it's just a bit inappropriate, isn't it? I mean, it's just yeah, it's just eighties tight shorts, isn't it? Uh, they they are my immediate thoughts on on definitely on the clothing. And, and I- two of my favourite bits of clothing before you move on is uh, Judy's got a T-shirt that says Judy. I didn't know it's that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know it's that. And uh, Ricky. When he comes walking into the social with his cowboy hat on, like what a do. There's no explanation needed for him for his reason. Yeah, oh, does he? he gets it knocked off his head and then gets like a, a bloody nose and gets stuck to infirmary. In in Ricky's defence, he wears some like cool clothes. He's got the eighties vibe down. He's got the cool like band t-shirts, the the tight, yeah, the yeah. like denim jeans that are washed. He he could 100%. look. He just look like a kid from today. A cool. He looks like like a cool kid from like any any eighties yeah. film. Anything, yeah. whether it's flight the navigator, ET, just anything. He's one of the cool kids, and he's, yeah. he's 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 cookie cutter though, isn't he? Him. Rick is the others man. are others are just like bits and bobs, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Um. So we we lead on to what would I I mistakenly called the first yeah. death yeah. earlier, but it, of course it wasn't a death. It was a um something something pretty. Pretty fucking horrible. Uh, Nathan, tell us. Uh, tell yeah, us one of the it. most horrendous deaths, but well, not not deaths, uh, living death with Will Seth afterwards. Violent yeah, scene. It's a violent yeah, scene. Definitely. It's yeah. awful, um, but it's well deserved because uh, it's the cook who is the uh, openly um, pr- pr- out and proud paedophile that's somehow allowed to work with children before DBS and stuff. Um, he yeah. gets. I don't. I don't want to switch on. Oh, we think killer is yet. I think we'll we can leave that till a bit later. But um, yeah, basically, it does it does something to to someone, and then usually, like Lee said with synopsis, someone does something unfavorable, and then they get some form of comeuppance. And he's obviously a paedophile, and he tries it out with someone, um, and and then proudly walks out doing his belt up and then gets yeah. seen it, which is. It's a strange thing. If you're a paedophile, I mean, he's, I mean, he's open and proud, so that's fine. But in in real <laughs> life, he wouldn't be doing that. Um, <clears throat> but he's got he's got on the boil um, water that he's checking, even though you can clearly see it's boiling because uh, they smoke coming out in the world's most largest like pot, which I could fully stand up inside and still just be peeking over the top. It's ridiculously big, but Ben Ben told me earlier they had that specially made because a pan of that, that magnitude does not exist in real life. Uh, which As someone yeah, as someone that's worked in a lot of kitchens, I'm gonna tell you now that would never yeah, boil. It's an accident <laughs> yeah. waiting to happen. By the time the heat got to the top, it would have gone stone cold because it's that that high up. It's not it can't rotate yeah. quick enough. It can't because obviously heat it it boils that Water right on the metal, which then rises and then it, it creates that flow, doesn't it? Until it's all settled and it's just that's never yeah, going like to boil. Trying to boil a swimming pool, add that. <laughs> yeah, yeah with, yeah, with a lighter. It's underneath. It's not getting yeah, on. Yet. It's just this ridiculous pan. I presume he's going to put in. He's going to be boiling corn in it because he's messing about with some corn. I mean, for some mm. for oh, someone yeah, yeah. with food down and, and no morals, he's, he's a bit picky on his corn because you <laughs> see him sift through it and throw one away like it's a bad one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this one's too yeah. hairy. I don't <laughs> want that. I like, yeah. I like a bald me, and he's, he's saved all these yeah. ones. But he's got he's got all his corn and he's he's getting stuff ready and that and. Obviously, they've got all all the kitchen equipment they need, like like the the one chair that he needs to stand on. 
to then lean precariously over this pot to the onto the shelf. And as he's doing that, he, he, he realizes he's not salted the water because that's the most important bit. I mean, you'd need a full tub of salt in that amount of water, but like a bag of sugar. You know, you buy yeah. them bags of sugar. You'd need a couple of them. Yeah, he just you? he just very lightly just sprinkles it on top. Yeah. That would do nothing. I don't know what he's trying to do with that. Mm. But mm, yes, ratatouille like yeah, a little bit of, like that's <laughs> that's going to improve his cooking tenfold. That little tiny bit of salt, but nobody's going to notice. I mean, I don't know how they're going to get him down afterwards. All that I, I, I'm thinking of. Are they going to lift yeah. pan down full of water? It just didn't make any sense. Are they going to get water? Yeah. Out? <laughs> how long's the f- how long's the ladle yeah. going to be? Yeah. If they were, imagine doing a soup in it, you'd have like a five foot <laughs> ladle right, right. <laughs> tied to end of a sweeping <laughs> brush or something to be able to get all the way to the bottom yeah, yeah. because you've lost that cord. If that yeah. sinks, you've lost it because you're not getting it back out of that. But he's, he leads. Is that is this is this the scene where he confronts the person in the fridge? Is this uh, no, this is a bit after. This is like. Yeah, yeah. Is it just yeah. a bit after? Right, okay, okay. I feel like there was a bit missing with that scene. Yeah, I didn't, want, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to go into too much detail on how we text in the fridge or anything mm. like that. But he's, yeah, he's, yeah, uh, yeah. As he gets up on his on his special kitchen equipment chair, it's all rickety, he, uh, he's testing water and whatever. Someone comes along, starts shaking leg. He notices who they are, which that's a key point. Don't forget that I've said that. Right? He notices who it is, says so like, oh, I didn't, whatever to him. Like, I openly says that he recognises who it is, basically. Um, like, oh, yeah, it's you! Yeah, yeah And yeah. then he, like, sort of grips hold of the thing, but at this point, it was about that high to him, I'd say, when he's on, even when he's on the chair. But at this, at yeah, this yeah, point, yeah. he's gone to at least waist height, and he's leaning forward over. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that that doesn't make any sense. And then he starts getting more violently shook, and then he goes to fall off. But as he does, he grabs hold of the pot for some reason to steady himself. <laughs> Pulls it on him, and the the person that's checking the the chair they manage to get away from like a swimming pool of scalding water being tipped out, but then gets scalded, yep. gets his comeuppance, and he looks like he's in the worst pain ever. We laid on the floor <laughs> screaming. I mean, for a film, I, like when you said budget for hundred and fifty thousand dollars or whatever, they put it all. They, the actors have got paid pennies for this. This has all gone on special effects, practical effects, because yeah. the practical the practical effects on this film are spot on. His scalded body laid there, shivering. We all blisters all over him. There's even one on his cheek that pulls. I'm just going to say, definitely. I'm just going to say, definitely wasn't shivering. Well, not shivering in a cold way, but shivering in a all my nerve <laughs> like, Oh god, it's fucking freezing. Yeah, yeah. he gets scalded. Yeah, um, yeah, it gets sore eyes as well. Um, but it's because you can see it. Uh, and then Summer, oh, doesn't James L. Jones' dad come and find him? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. he finds yeah. him. But can I can I just mention that when he gets scalded, it's like the longest scream ever. And when the ambulance finally turns up, he's still screaming. 
And if you think about the logistics of phoning an ambulance to a summer camp that's in the middle of nowhere, it'd probably take him like an hour to get to you. Yeah. But he's still screaming, so he could potentially be laying on floor. For like an hour or that's longer, how, <laughs> just like in constant pain. That's how painful it is. I mean, when they when they're bleeding him out, they don't they don't give him any painkillers or out. It would you think they would have knocked him out from that amount of pain? Like 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 what I was saying earlier about it, one of them like pushes his arm down to get him out of <laughs> door to like get around door. That'd proper kill if someone touched his scalded arm. Yeah, yeah. But then it's all it's a workplace incident. It gets swept under. Rook and out people get bribed and paid off, which is it doesn't need to be like that. I mean, it's like it's a back of house like person in a summer camp. He's not. He's not like a main like spokesperson out at front. I don't. I don't know why they cover that up. Can we just say it's Mel, who's the camp owner, who's yeah. the old guy who's shagging Meg. He's the one who covers everything up, and he's always there. And it's like, yeah, I mean, he obviously knows the guy's a pedophile, and and then he's like trying to pay off kitchen staff in he and he's keeping everything hush hush like basically he don't want out to get out because he's got all this money invested in this camp and he don't want like oh if if, if we get this reputation but like nathan says it's a workplace accident at this point mm. so there's no need to be like that and yet he's still paying off all these yeah. like trying to pay off all these cooks and stuff it, yeah because he doesn't know nobody knows what's happened other than this man's on the floor, and there's a pot that's landed on him full of water. These, it's not. There's nothing suspicious. No. If something happens at work, you don't go running out and telling your customers what's yeah. happened here. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't. I don't know. It's weird that he treats it like that. That's. It's, yeah. it's strange. From get go, yeah. Yeah, you just be like, yeah. oh, dog. I hope nothing else goes wrong, or I hope he's all right, yeah. or something. But for him to cover it up, I mean. Like, like I said, remember that he, he, he saw we were, and he, as, as far as we know, he didn't die. I mean, he, he might die like yeah. septicemia or something in ambulance, <laughs> but couldn't he, the, the, one of the plot, plot points that I thought was a bit wrong was, couldn't he just tell the police that someone did that to him and rather than it weren't a workplace accident? Or it just That didn't make any sense. Well, maybe he could have said it to Mel, and that's why he's trying to cover it up. But then that doesn't really make sense because then Mel would apprehend the kid. Yeah, yeah. So maybe because he goes on a bit of a mad on later, doesn't he? So yeah, uh, uh, maybe. God, uh, I don't know. But it's all a bit strange. Yeah. But uh, what <laughs> the doctor's got a good prognosis, hasn't he? <laughs> oh yeah. What does <laughs> what does he say that to him? That is. Uh... Oh, he asked him like R- R- Ronnie's asking if his eyes were already. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that, and he's like, no, it's badly burnt. It's too early to tell yeah. that. And it's like, well, yeah, no fucking shit. Yeah, <laughs> guy's fucked. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's badly burnt. Yeah, you're a doctor. I think we can all see that he's badly burnt. He <laughs> weren't needed that doctor, really. Were they? Just they needed to take him away, but they've got a doctor there. He's in his suit and that, and he doesn't even care. Just weird ways <laughs> for for a for a slasher film. That was that was the first kill, which is not very slasher, right? Um, yeah, just just goes on to be uh, a, a more of a scolding, but there's there's other there's other slasher elements in there. Yeah, speaking of slasher elements, like you just going back to what you said first first off when when the kid approaches him, it's it's the classic POV. So we've seen this in loads of slashers, which is like Halloween style POV at killer, and they've run around kitchen, and then you see the cook like, is it, and it's all that like, what are you doing here? Who are you? Get away from here! Like all that talking to the killer, and you never hear the killer or the kid, uh, or, 
you never see them, you never hear them. It's just from their point of view. So that's a very classic slasher trope, which they've obviously uh, put into this on purpose. But speaking of slashers, like Golden Age of Slashers is like uh, 78 to 84. Obviously, this came out in 83. So basically, up to 1983, slashers had become a bit of a, like everyone were a bit sick of them until 1984 when Nightmare on Elm Street, like, get it a big boost. So at this point, slashers are a bit over and done with, but they can probably still make a quick buck. So uh, this is probably why they chose to make a camp slasher, because obviously Friday the 13th made the camp an iconic place for a slasher film to take place, obviously one of the most iconic slasher films. So it all makes sense, because if if I believe I believe the director just want, he weren't bothered about making an horror film, he weren't into it, he weren't making an art piece, he just wanted to make a film to make some money, and he's like, what's popular? Slashes are popular. We've got a camp that we can use for now. We're going to make a camp slasher film. So, yeah, um, that's the ins and outs of the slasher tropes in this. But there's obviously a few more. Like, a lot of slasher films, the the killer has suffered childhood trauma or abuse. So, we haven't said who the killer is or out, but if you aren't, you can sort of gather who it could be or it might be. Or, so yeah, they've suffered. They've suffered a lot of trauma as a child. Which this one uh, also uses this trope. Um, they're normally killing a lot, like slasher films. They go around killing a lot of teenagers, adolescents. Obviously, we're at a camp with teenagers. They all get killed. I know the cook's just been served his comeuppance, but uh, rest assured, a few kids do get killed. Um, a lot of the victims in slasher films, you do hate. Like they are, you do want to see them killed because mm. that's the payoff with a slasher. It's like we, you get you, if it's a slasher film, you know you're going to get people getting killed, and the people that get killed, you want to see them get killed. So, like this, there's a lot of characters who are bastards, i.e., the paedophile that you want to see get killed. So it lives up to that in that respect. Uh, the deaths are obviously violent and graphic. Which talking about special effects, this film. Is done a stellar job on special effects. There's a lot of nice violent kills that obviously Slash fans love. There's another thing is there's a lot of original kills. So the more original, better. The 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 tool they use to kill the better. And there's a death near the end that uses quite a unique tool to kill somebody in a unique way, which we'll brush over. <laughs> and uh, this one this one differs slightly. We aren't giving away the ending, but there's normally a final girl in the in the slasher. This this sort of inverts the final girl, so we'll touch on that at the end. Spoiler, I, I know Lee's going to touch on the uh, talk about the ending. So this inverts that trope, which is quite ingenious, and I think this is why it's last like stood test of time is because it it takes these tropes that were tired in 1983 and it sort of rejuvenates them a little bit and sprinkles a bit of new life into them. But yeah, it, it's on all them notes, uh, and it's very much a classic slasher film because of it. So. Talking about slasher films, talking about deaths and stuff, there's a few deaths in this. Obviously, the first one hasn't happened yet, so going on to the first one, I'll let Nathan handle this one. Yeah, they've got his first proper death, and what I'd say, well, not the most horrific, but the most, in terms of special effects, the best, like, I think the best-looking one. Um, you've got Kenny, which is what the douchebag sort of, I, I got the. It was supposed to be a bit of a stoner vibe. I mean, you see, it's uh, yeah. Is, is, is it Billy? Oh no, is it Billy that comes later on? That where they yeah, they both smoking yeah. weed and that. Yeah, but you, you see him smoking weed, so he's got that sort of stoner vibe. 
and he goes out on on a lake. I mean, I can't. It, it, he asks every girl there, and they all say no. But then for some reason, <laughs> this one girl who's coming a bit later, she doesn't know how much of a dickhead he is. So she agrees to go on this con- magical romantic canoe ride with. Him. And I don't know what his end game is. I thought it were to, to cop a feel or whatever or something. But he decides that uh, tipping boat is is that's that's <laughs> the way you score. Um, obviously, it's not, and the ladies don't like that. So he tips the boat, and then he hides underneath it. Um, we we agree as your rendition of his song. No, I've saved that one for you. I was going to say you you've been doing it all day and doing my head in at work. Yeah. <laughs> this song, do his little song. Hey, Baba, Reba. Hey, Baba, Reba. Hey, Baba, Reba. Hey, hey, For some reason, he sings the song, and then he's like saying, like, is she called that? Uh, what's she called, that girl? I can't remember her name. Leslie. Yeah, I'm going to say Tracy. He's like, Leslie. Like, who else would it be other than the other lad who's hiding in the boat? He's been saying that turtles are going to get her in snakes. But then it turns out, because it turns to a different camera shot, because it looks like they're out in Midland Lake, uh, the boat's literally turned over just next to the pier, and she gets straight out. And I don't saw so she got wet and she's pissed off, and she goes home with her friends. And then his friends decide that um, he's a bit of, he's a bit of a cock, so they they leave him alone. Um, oh no, they don't leave him alone straight away actually, because while he's under there, someone appears up under the water and pushes him under the water to drown him. So it's the first death in a slasher film, which is also another not a slasher, uh, is a drowning. But he doesn't even put up much of a fight. He just sort of wails his hands. And they're quite near to dock, so I'm guessing that he could, probably could have touched four, but he gets he gets drowned. Um, and then his friends piss off because they've had enough room because that's what he's like. He's scared all girls off. Um, and then we... It, the scene changes because he's, he's obviously dead at this point. Scene changes to morning to um, someone that we haven't seen before, um, but for some reason he, his part is crucial for this bit. So they got a different actor in than just like one of the other ones finding. Um, all kids have made a mess. They've chucked all stuff in water, um, so he's there violently throwing all <laughs> stuff up, trying to clean it up, lifts canoe up. He like runs the dock, doesn't he? It's like the little dock area. Right. It's like it feels like he's a caretaker or something. Yeah, he's fucking yeah. ragged and all, and he's like fucking kid. Yeah, yeah. He's in. The, he's in the wrong job, dear. He hates children. You can tell from the start he hates kids because they keep chucking all yeah. chairs and thing and that old patio stuff. And so he, he, you hear him. I mean, he's got enough stuff to be dealing with, but you hear him go. And who's put this there or somewhere? Because it's the canoe, right? Quite far away, close to the camera. Someone's put that on shore. Like, how the fuck... How's, how's he got there? How's yeah. he got there? From the lake. With the body in it. Yeah. And it's appeared on the shore. Yeah, quite high it's up like, on the okay. shore. It's not even like it's in a bit of water as well, is it? It's like fully on the beach with this body underneath. The tide... It's lifted... The tide's lifted it up. It's floated <laughs> over. Tide's gone in. It's a lake, yeah. right? And, um, yeah, it's just confusing. Yeah. It's, it is a bit confusing. It's a, it's, but only when you think about it. If you don't think about it, it's fine. He's just found the boat. Yeah, but then to make it a little bit weirder, they look. They, he finds the body, and the body looks like it's been in the water for about three weeks. It's like a bloated yeah. corpse that's been chewed all up, and then a snake comes out of his yeah. mouth. And it's like, that literally happened a few hours ago. How? What? Why? That's Indiana Jones, that is. That's 100% Indiana Jones. Hey, Indy! There's a, there's a body, and then the snake yeah. comes out of the eyes and the mouth. It it didn't believe the snake didn't belong in this film. Yeah. I'm sorry, it just didn't. It was it was an odd, 
It's someone had a great idea for a snake, but they should have just kept it as yeah, an idea. It was like a baby enough, but... baby snake as well, anyway. Yeah. It, it's just yeah. that that they obviously made a full body dummy. And the special effects yeah. on that are really good, the practical effects. That I think they do the best one mm. with that one. I mean it's I think practical wise, yeah, amazing. They've done a proper good job. It's it's strange how they've how they've done that, uh, for that one kill. Um when there's not even any like sort of blood involved, which is just drowning. You think it'd just be him laid on beach, save a bit of money, and he's got blue lips or something like that, but yeah, they've yeah. gone full art with that one. And then, as always, Sid, <laughs> Sid James turns up with cigar, good old Mel, as the owner. And this is a very good scene. Yeah. This is a very good scene. Like, police are here, and he's, he's like, oh, he's, he's, he's drowned. Um, I, I'm no expert, but I think he's drowned. Um, and then Mel's like, oh, no, he, he's, he could have been thrashing around and moved messing about and he's banged his head and it's knocked him out or something and he's like mm, well it's possible it's something and then what does what does Mel say it was an accident he just shouts his head off it's an accident and he can't even pronounce it he's just like it was an accident just shouting it constantly Lee you need to go back and watch that bit specifically for that it's just hilarious and the, co- the cop's like it's, I'm no I'm no expert it's like it's not in my profession it's like yeah it is you're a cop <laughs> yeah. and you're investigating some sort of accident or death yeah, you're, you're here to oh, assess man. the situation. That's why you're here. It's, <laughs> there's no, there's no other day. He gets swayed very easy. Yeah, it's it? like, well, he it gets could swayed. Be. It could be yeah. an accident. I don't care. Then he, Mel's proper adamant that it's a, it's a thing and uh, it's accidents and he don't want any business going bad and it's, it's, yeah, it's covering like him. another cover up. Yeah, he's trying to sweep it under the rug and get rid of it. But then. Ronnie, the, the good guy of the story, um, who just fizzles out later on, but he's he's the good guy up to this point. He's like talking to the police, like saying, but he was a strong swimmer. And he, he's starting to suspect, suspect, suspect something, like something's weird, yeah. but it doesn't, he sort of drops that, and then he goes the other way, and he still likes to think that there's accidents going on. It was an accident! Whereas Mel wants to keep it as accidents and hidden away. And then. We get onto the next death. Now this is another yeah. horrific death, and um, it's 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 only a quick one uh, compared to some others. But it's it's a ridiculous, and it's not a slasher one as well. So this this is the third death slash accident where it's not a death uh, by by being stabbed. Um, but we get we get him, uh, Billy, who's Kenny's friend. Uh, coming in and he is absolutely desperate for a wicked dump. He tells everyone in the cabin <laughs> that he's in for a wicked dump. They're all going to go to, to dinner or wherever they're going or out to play or something. So he's getting a magazine, rooting around, goes into the toilet cubicle, he's sat down doing his thing reading magazine. Window behind him is like a screen window. <clears throat> now a knife comes up, cuts it down. I don't think he even notices at this point that a window like literally 30 centimetres behind his head has just been cut open. But then Someone puts in a stick with a beehive on, and it's like it's like some out of a cartoon with this beehive on a stick, <laughs> and it's like that's when he notices and he starts like get out of here or, or whatever he's shouting. Oh, I should mention that someone's put a, a sweeping brush handle on fruit door, not a very thick one, and it gets broken, but he still doesn't leave. Um, what is that? What what? Like you say, sorry. I sat here looking, and I'm looking at Karina, and she's like. What is that? What is? It doesn't make any sense. You could lean yeah. on that door. That handle slash twig would have just yeah. broke. Like you could just push yeah. it. You wouldn't even need to have like a a foot 
like of a run up of like a foot or something, you know, like a barge. No, you could have just it would have just popped open. I thought that was a bit. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Yeah. Piss poor. But they could have used a thicker yeah. fucking stick for that one. But but another obvious way out is because you see the camera pan and it shows you his feet, but you don't even see the door because it's that high. <laughs> There's a gap under the door. You could easily I bet it's one of those low ones. Yeah, like, I bet it's low as well. You could easily crawl onto yeah. it. Oh, it, it could even someone slash window open. He could just jump out a window if he's like definitely allergic to bees. But it's, it's yeah, the, mm. the someone's having an hard time. Whoever this killer is, flicking this beehive off to, off this stick because for like ten minutes they're, they're waggling this stick around, and then it finally drops, and then you hear all bees swarming. You never actually see a bee up until is dead yeah. and then he, get, he manages to get out or whatever I think I don't think you see door open but next shot he's laid on floor mm. and his arm is an absolute mess full of bee stings there's like an open wound with bee crawling out because that's what bees do they chew into your flesh uh, not that they just sting you <laughs> and die Make they tunnel through your body yeah. and create little openings don't they yeah. and like these massive welts I'm sorry but we, but we touched on it earlier that's like Probably hours and yeah, hours yeah, yeah. of of um, damage there, and it would probably have to be alive for that long for in order for it to have swelled up and be that red. Yeah. I'm sorry, he got he got stung maybe twenty times, fell over, but, he died. Well, we can accept that. Maybe they knew he was allergic. Yeah, maybe, maybe they knew he'd die. But his fucking body wouldn't look like that, no. would it? I, I always... But the but the effects do look good, don't yeah, they? Yeah. The effects look bang Amazing. on. They look they look Amazing. proper good, and it's. I, I would have expected him to it, to drop it into conversation, like, oh, he's allergic to bees or something, you know, for that to become relevant. But it's yeah. done, mm-hmm. it's weird. And then for some reason, it pans up to his face and all bees are all over his face. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's what did he do with that beehive? Did he just start fucking munching on it? Why Why are they all swarming <laughs> around his mouth? It's, it's a bit... Because they only they also only swarm around a queen, don't yeah, they? Did so he, it would have it would have had to have been. He's just yeah. ate the queen. He found it on toilet seat. But I'll choose, if I kill the queen, they all die. But that you were wrong. They all sting your face. That's that's what happens. In with this, that. in this way, you had your little gripe with the film as well. Yeah, after Billy's death, isn't it? Yeah, it's because this is this is my low point for the film. This is where it sort of totally shifts, and it's it's all an accident up until this point. This one's clearly not an accident. I mean, it could be, but someone's cut screen and, and whatever, and there's like a behind it. Yeah. But that one could just be a prank gone wrong. Like they even say, yeah. they even acknowledge that in the film. So I, this is where Mel switches to. There's a killer on the loose. I need to find this, and <laughs> it all turns into that because of this beehive. All the other kills up until this point. Actual kills and stuff, they, they, they were all on purpose and they weren't accidents. And this is where Mel starts sort of having a witch hunt about it. And there's no, there's no in between. I, I... He was in denial. It's like he, it's like he was in denial and hiding it until this mm. happened. And then he went, "Oh my god, there's a killer!" And it also, it felt like he knew who the killer was. Did yeah. you get that feeling from like him? instantly? Like it's that, it's that killer again. It yeah. it felt it felt to me as though we were missing out on something like there were scene cut or something like there should have been some sort of intermediary like he finds something out to, to think that it's the killer or if someone had witnessed someone yeah. putting that beehive in on purpose or they would they found like an air clip or a fucking I don't know a, a sock or something at each crime scene you know something to tie them together and it, that's when that one made yeah. sense or something but it doesn't it doesn't it, that's 
for me, that was the low point of the film because it just it tonally shifted to, and didn't give you an explanation as to why. And I, I would have preferred an explanation to that point. But, yeah, but there's, yeah. there's other. There's, yeah. uh, we're, we're up to his actual slasher kill now, aren't we, Lee? Yeah, so this, I think, was the first, like, there I go, slasher. Is that mm. acceptable? Slasher? Yeah. It was the first slashed person. Mm. Um, Meg, um, arguably one of the. Um, better looking of the cast members, sort of um, counselor, wasn't she? She do uh, she'd probably fit quite in, in well with Greece mm. as part of their cast. She kind of like fits it, doesn't she? It's a bit balls there. Uh, she has that. <laughs> yeah, she's she's cocky. She's um, confident. She's pretty. She'd definitely be part of the uh, the pink mm. ladies. It's um. So she wants to have. She's obviously going to meet Peter Farmel, isn't she? And she's <laughs> like, I need to have a wash because. And yet, like, yeah, we don't want him thinking that I'm I'm dirty or anything. So she's like, I need a shower. So there's a queue of like four girls that are having a shower that turn around and like, no, you're not coming in here after she asks them. Yeah. Um. So she's like, she wanders off to the. Is it is it the boys' showers or is it just another girl shower? I'm not quite sure. It's sort of next yeah, door, yeah. isn't it? But it's on its own, sort of like. Yeah. So she's gone around there and. Um, I have when I was I did write some notes when I was watching it. I put um, shower scene death imminent. That knife. So someone comes in, don't they? They creep in. That knife goes through the side panel, doesn't it? Yeah. I, this is such an odd scene. I'm sorry. Someone stabs you with a knife. You're going to reel from the knife, aren't you? Yeah, you're going like... to pull away from it. Yeah. Fuck. Mm. Oh, you know, like if you sting yourself or. Any kind of pain, your reaction is to pull away from it. So she stabbed. Probably, it was on her back, wasn't it? Probably, like chest mm. high. Yeah. And it and we we found out a little bit later that it was central. So it would have been in her spine. Mm. Okay, central to her spine. This knife, and then it was, mm. as you can see, it was uh, 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 dragged down this. This like wooden panel through her back, pulled down. Not all that quick either. It wasn't like a bang and a bang. It wasn't like it was a stab, and then it was a drag, 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 drag. She fucking just yeah. stood. She's just standing there. She's stood there as if like like someone's scratching her back, and she's going hmm. a bit lower, just a bit lower, a bit to the left. So she's having, she's being basically cut in half. Well, she wasn't, but it's like she's being cut down her spine, and she dies. Um, she's then found yeah. later on by Mel, isn't it? Yeah. Who's looking for her? She gets found by Mel. She's on the floor. He don't wait, even look. Bef- wait, bef- before she falls on the floor, what did you notice about this scene that's very out of place? I'm not sure. He walks in. Bear in mind, she's been stabbed, and when the killer's stabbed her back, the killer takes the knife and he rinses it, or he or she of rinses course. it. Yes, yes. So we, we know the knife is not in the back. So for some reason, Meg's body is like balanced in this shower cubicle, and as soon as Mel walks in, he doesn't pull the curtain back, no nothing. He walks in the room, and then her body falls out, like on its own. Yes. But, it, but yeah. she's probably been there for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like she's been still stood up. Yeah, and then and as then soon she as falls he falls so she's on the floor, and then this clearly must have been an artistic choice. <laughs> it's just a cut. Like, it looks like a really sore yeah. scar yeah. that's down her back. 
Now, I get... Someone said, wait, they're in a shower. But the killer does turn the shower off. Yeah. So, I think, realistically, she should be covered in... Uh, well, I'm going to say covered in blood, but there should be blood on it. If anything, that should have... Even when she'd have... Like, she'd been dead, the shower turned off, that would have been bleeding some sort of amount. And she would have had, she would have had blood over it. No, no, it's just like a surgical yeah. scar that's really sore down her back. A perfect line. But, of course, remembering that she didn't move when she was being cut oh. open. Ridiculous scene. I was quite disappointed with that bit. I think most of it I'd been relatively okay with in an, in, a, in and accepted it as B-movie drivel and just got on with it, and it was fine. But it's coming across that bit. It was like... But what? The, the, the bit afterwards when Mel finds her, that just makes it all better. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's just... he's like oh, a gabagool. <laughs> he's like, turns into some sort of Italian. He's like, Omega, what happened to Omega? <laughs> It is. It and he goes on a big monologue, though. He's like, not you, man. But then he's like, oh, I need to sort it out. And then he, he goes off. He, he just doesn't seem to care that much. I, f- I felt like it. I thought he cared too. If you were like, no, man. <laughs> yeah, but then it is, he's it like didn't... that. And then he like loses his thing and he's looking at her. Then he like looks away. One last look at her ass. And then he walks out. <laughs> yeah, he's like, ooh. <laughs> I think fair. he's the type of guy that would have slapped it. Yeah. yeah, on his way he would have. He would have. Would have copped a feel, would it? It would have been like, yeah, still Possibly. good, <laughs> still good. Like if you've got a paedophile chef, you damn well know that he's going to cop a feel of a corpse yeah. on the floor. Yeah, probably still warm. It's probably not been there that long. Definitely. Um, so going on to some more deaths. Yeah, you, I think you some wanted more... to talk about this, didn't you? Yeah, I have. I have these um, because I felt it was a bit of a wasted. A wasted moment. It, it jumps from Meg getting killed. Now, if you remember me mentioning that counsellor guy who asked to go and take these campers out on a trip. Now, is it one or two of them that are moaning yeah, and he, what, they want to go back to? Yeah, I want to go. I want to go with my mummy. I want to go back home. Anyway, so he's like, he's thinking, do I take him back? And he looks, he hesitates because he's like, shall I leave these out here in the woods? I mean, it's America. Probably full of beers anyway. Yeah. But he's like, what shall I do? He takes her back and, he, and as, it, as he comes back to find... Um, was it four Boring. that's left? Oh. Absolutely decimated <laughs> in their sleeping bags. Butchered. You don't see any sort of detail of it. You just see the blood and the torn up. Now, I'm sorry, but I feel that needed... It's that needed... More of a scene. It needed more of a setup. We needed to. We we get the setup, but it's it's very very subtle. And I said to Nathan earlier, did he notice it? I didn't. I didn't notice it. It's not. It's not good enough. I feel like it's not good enough. Did you notice the setup though? Do you notice? Do you know why they got killed? Because there is a reason, and it's very subtle, and you'll see it. Give me give me give me the information. You know when the the girls try when they drag Angela and they chuck her in the water. Yeah. And then Ricky runs and saves her, doesn't he? Right. And that, as he pulls her out of the water, there's four little kids and they're chucking Chuck sand, sand at him and he's like, oh, you little fuckers, you'll pay. Wait, is it, is it those ones? Yeah, that... it's them four. That's, so that's the he... setup. So Ricky kind of like kills them. Well, we, this, is, this is the mystery what's in the film. Which will lead. I didn't. I didn't realize it was there. This will lead. This will lead you onto our, my next point. 
um, which is my like I ain't got any, I ain't got any gripes with this film, but there is one little scene that like made me like I, I just wanted to pick it out, which is when Judy gets killed. So up until this point, it it's sort of there's you don't know who's the killer, but you've got an idea that it's either Angela or it's Ricky. So you're either like, is it Ricky, is it Angela? And there's a lot of times when Ricky loses his shit, like with the kids, and you think... He does get frustrated, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is it Ricky, is it Ricky? So when Judy dies, Judy's on her own in her camp because she's not gone to the social, and she's on her own. It's all dark. And then we see this shot at the door, which is clearly Ricky in a wig. And he's, it's, like, it's meant to be a silhouette shot, and obviously it's saying, like, because they come in and then they kill Judy. And it's like... Mm. The gripe I had is like, why have they put that shot in there? Because yeah, up to that point, there's a lot of red errands, and I'm thinking, is this just another red errand? But when I've thought about it more, I think that because if if you look into the trivia, the girl who played Angela, the mother of the of the actress uh, Felissa Rose, she she wouldn't let. She said the the actress is too young to do any of the killing, so she didn't want her to do any of the killing. So. You got the young lad to do him who plays Ricky. So he did all the killing. So this is then Ricky... Well, this is then Judy about to get killed. So because they can't use Angela, they put Ricky in a wig to make him look like Angela. And I think they just wanted to frame a silhouetted shot. And obviously, back in the day on VHS, you probably wouldn't even notice that it weren't him. But like when you watch it today on Blu-ray, it's like you can clearly see it's Ricky in a wig. So it's either it's either they've done it unintentionally and they've just left it in, or they've thrown it in there to make it even more confusing. And that's my only gripe is that it feels like if you see that that's Ricky, because it's definitely Ricky in a wig, then it makes you question a lot of other things that happens in film, and it sort of like ruins a lot of other things. But deep down, I think they just threw it in there because they they were making it out to be Angela but to use Ricky and in back it day we a silhouetted shot like that and on VHS you wouldn't even see detail so that's where so this is, that's what I want to say this is your time. low point isn't it this is your yeah kind of yeah. it's not really a low point but I just feel like if it were if they were saying that it is Ricky in a wig and he's the one doing the killings it sort of throws a lot of the other parts of the film out of whack and, yeah. and the payoff's yeah. not as good so that's all I wanted to I like as a lowish point for me. It's like that that little scene with Ricky in the hallway made me question a few things. But after that is obviously Judy's death, and I'll just touch on that very lightly because she's the like alpha bitch and she wants her comeuppance. And as I was saying, the slasher deaths use unique tools. Well, this scene is it's not graphic because you don't see it. You just see the silhouette on the yeah. wall. But it's insinuated that she's using some curling irons and uh, the killer gets the curling irons and actually like penetrates a vagina with them whilst they're hot, whilst holding her face down, which technically wouldn't kill her. And I'm sure I've read that there's a sequel that there's a few sequels to this, but the proper sequel came out years and years later by the actual director. And I'm sure Judy is still alive. Cause I thought she, she's made out like she's died, but that would just wreck her vagina. Wouldn't it really? It wouldn't kill her. But, but, talking about it earlier with Judy being the slut and that, I think it ties in quite well because she's she's held up as being the slut and the the wrecking of a, of a vagina with these curling irons. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Nah, she can Stop never saying have, that fucking words together. She can never have kids. Like, she's fucked now. 
And I think this is this is that tying it all together, but on a subtle level. Like I said, these levels, and you might not have noticed it, but more you watch it, more you pick up on these little things. So that's my two were, cents of that. Do you think they were purposeful? I, I think they, unintentionally, they didn't mean to, but they laid this film with so much depth and... When you watch it, you can pick it out, and it's there on a level, but like on a surface level, it's like what you're on about. But when you watch it, it's definitely in there. Can we email the director and find out? Yeah, if he's still kicking about, but we need to. We need. We need to ask. That's him. a unique kill, anyway. Whether or not she dies or not, it's uh, quite a unique kill. And like I said, it's not played graphically, but it's insinuated, and you know what's happening, and it is quite cringy in a good way. I didn't realize exactly what was happening. Yeah, there, I'll be honest. Yeah, like I said, it, I just it's, thought... it's there, but you have to look a bit deeper. Hmm. So af- yep. after that is when Mel gets his comeuppance. Just a little bit before he dies, maybe one of the reasons why he dies, because it's yeah. it, you find out this this is the f- definitive point of where you find out who the killer is. Um, you find out that it's Angela because uh, she she openly kills Mel. I think this is the first. Is this the first one where you actually see the killer? Like. Yeah, you, yeah, you see her, don't you? Yeah. yeah, so it's it's a uh, and just before that, Mel in his big rage about Meg getting getting done turns into like some sort of like Planet of the Apes caveman sort of thing, and he finds Ricky chewing on some sweets, walking through woods, drags him drags him into woods, and then proceeds to like beat the shit out of this little boy, which is it's a bit weird. I mean, it's just the way that he's like. Like yeah, not punching, <laughs> like full on like a chimpanzee, like laid into <laughs> laid into this little kid mm. who was just eating some bloody Twizzlers or whatever they are, they're little Aribos, just because he's had no tea or something because he said he went to bed because yeah. <laughs> it gave him bad stomach whatever they whatever they'd eaten. So that that James L. Jones's dad went in in that fifty quid extra a week because <laughs> he's doing a crap job at, in kitchen, but. He gets, he gets, yeah, because other kids are like, oh, it was horrible, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, other kid says it at all. Yeah, because it lets him back in. So, uh, obviously, they kept that paedophile around because he was doing a good job at kitchen because yeah. nobody was moaning about food before that. But there's, <laughs> there's like, he beats the crap out of, out of little Ricky and that. That's that sort of last you see a, a Ricky, then he just, he's, he's still alive because they find him and he's like all battered and bruised and that. But then. But, but, but who finds him? Is it uh, is it the policeman? Yeah, and what do we what what can we all say about this policeman? I'm sure Liam. Oh wait, up is on it this. is it the same thing that I picked up on when I watched it and I fucking burst out? Everybody, I won't say. Who's mentioning it? Go on, go on, Liam. Okay, he turned around and I said, "What the fuck is that <laughs> thing on his face?" <laughs> yeah, it looks like. Two ironed gerbils, yeah. yeah, just perfectly making that horrendous mustache. It is the fucking, worst. It? It is the worst fake mustache I have ever seen. And the thing is, I didn't pick up on it previously when we saw him. I, I wasn't. I wasn't. It's like I wasn't paying attention earlier. Where there were a cop there with a mustache, and that were real. So I was like, why didn't they get this guy back? But this is a whole other cop, and he's just got a totally fake mustache. <laughs> I thought he was the same guy. No, he's but I just a different hadn't noticed guy. Before. Yeah. Oh, he's a different yeah. guy. But they, so they, but they wanted the same aesthetic, guy maybe. because yeah, that's horrendous. Yeah, it's like a but, electrical tape just stuck on his. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible, isn't it? It's horrible. There's no effort whatsoever. Makeup department. 
have you got a fake moustache? Yeah. No, use this instead. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all right, we'll have a go. But, but yeah, that guy yeah. that guy finds Ricky, so we'll carry on, Dave. Yeah, he's trying like that. Mr. Fake Moustache finds Ricky, and then we've got Mel in the woods again, um, where he's confronted by Angela. And I, I, how, I don't know how she does it, but she I think she throws an arrow, and it's... Is it, or does she have a bow? I don't even know if she's... Well, there. you don't see a bow. You just see it in her hand, don't yeah, you? Yeah, it's weird. But it shows It shows him like, oh no, it, it wasn't Ricky. It was you all along or something like like a Scooby-Doo moment. And then an arrow just yeah. goes straight into his throat. So he gets his comeuppance, which you Ben's slowed it down because he likes to see the frame by frame to see how they did it, and he, he says that that's they actually killed. Yeah, Mel it's seamless. That. Yeah, that that was his last film because <laughs> yeah. he actually killed him. He's dead because uh, because <laughs> I got that shot where, but that's that's Mel gone, and then we have one last uh, proper slasher one, um, don't we, Lee? Yeah, so I put myself down to talk about this, but I've realised that. I'm not sure on parts of it, so you're going to have to fill me in on the death. But then I want to talk about the kind of reveal. Yeah, so um, Angela, she's just like walking around and she finds uh, young Paul. Well, she arranged to meet him, didn't she? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. she's like, well, she, I'll meet you at the beach or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Or the shore or something. And they go down. So I'm a little bit blank to what happened. Well... Let, I'll there, just stop. There. stop stop at the reveal for me. I'll, yeah, yeah, I won't, I won't yeah. do the yeah. reveal. I won't do the reveal, but what thing we hadn't said is that, well, I mentioned it earlier, that Paul is, like, interested in Angela, like, mm. he wants to get with her. And he keeps, like, having little date nights with her and meeting her and trying to kiss oh, her. Oh, sorry, yes, yes, this bit yeah. he's mentioning, doesn't it? Yeah, so he's it, it, sort of sparking up a relationship with her. And she says to him at one point, meet me at this beach or whatever. So mm. he's, like, he's yeah. buzzing and that. So he goes yeah. down to meet her. Obviously, we don't see any of this happen. We we see the little love interest with them throughout the film, but obviously, this when we talked about flashbacks earlier, like the ending is where the flashback sort of reveals everything that is repressed. And if you hadn't guessed it at this point, obviously Ricky isn't the killer. Like Nathan said, it's Angela who's the killer at this point. What we all find out. Um, so she's arranged to meet him. Obviously, you. Being a viewer, you won't think there'd be any ill will between Paul because Paul's been nothing but nice to Angela. I know he wants mm. to get his end away, but he's not been. Yeah, but he it's not been horrible. Judy, to her. It, it... Ah, I suppose. Yeah, there is a point where she, where he kisses, where she kisses Judy. Where he kisses Judy. Sorry. So maybe that is that's probably it in it. What tips her over edge? But there's a lot of underlying issues which I'll let Lee talk about, like with the reveal. And stuff. Oh, underlying issues. I'm not sure about the underlying issues. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that is. The reason why, anyway, you can say. Yeah. So yeah, they they go down to the the shore, don't they? To yeah. find to find Angela. And um, she's like caressing his. Cra- yeah, cradling. Yeah, like she's like humming a song, and it's all nice and sweet. Like and messed let, up. Yeah, I'll let you take over from this point. Absolutely um, odd. It's an odd perspective. It's an it's you, 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 I find myself just going, "What's happening? Mm. What's yeah, happened?" Yeah. Am I, would I say you don't see him die? No, no, you don't see him die. You don't see him die, but we, he's dead. You see, then, you see, you see, you see it after the fact. You know that he's dead. We don't yeah. actually see the kill. So she, uh, they confront the people that come down. They confront her, don't they? Yeah, it's like Ronnie and, she, and that, isn't it? She, she like stands up, 
this is when you you see Paul's head, his severed head. So you know. Oh, was it a severed? Yeah. You see, this is a bit where I was a bit muddy on when I was trying to think of it. I should have watched this bit just before. I I apologise. I should have refreshed myself on it. His head rolls away. So then, because it looks like she's cradling it from behind, like stroking him very lovingly, and then as she turns, the head rolls and you see it severed. And then this is when she stands. Yeah. So she stands up, and they're like, "Oh, it's you," Um, you know, and. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try. It, this film goes from slasher to like a whole new level of what the fuck. <laughs> Am I? What, is that accurate? Yeah. Well, this is what we were saying that this ending has made this film like yeah. stand up because of how crazy it is. I feel and memorable. Yeah, I I feel the ending in a, in a like Deadly Prey. The ending was like. Not as good as no. What was it? What was it? The film wasn't too was it wasn't too bad, but the ending was shit. On Deadly Prey, when it ruined it for me, it ruined it? it for you. It went for us. <laughs> yeah, no. But this is kind of different. The, the film itself, it wasn't too bad. Like it was like hot, like uncomfortably watchable. Yeah. Um, I was interested in the next death. You know, it was that sort of thing. What's happening next? Oh, it's a shower one. Definitely gonna die. What's happening to the pedo chef? Oh, <laughs> he's gonna die. And and then being like, oh, isn't that Darth Vader's dad? Yeah, that's weird. Um, But then she stands up and it's like, it's suddenly like a horror. Yeah. Scary. The tone is ominous. There's like a, am I right? It's like a green line. Something's going off. It's scary. It's like The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. It's some shit that they're throwing at you. They've gone, you watched this film. You thought it was horrible. Well, guess what, motherfuckers? We're going to throw this right out the window and turn it into something that you did not expect. And it's like, oh my God, she's got a dick. This is where the flashbacks go in, and then I'll, I'll uh, if you don't mind, Ben, I'm gonna pass it on to, to you. Yeah, this is where so she stands up, and uh, just a little tidbit is that the actor for this, because how they did it, where they made a mask of the young girl, because obviously they the, can't use the face girl. was very. Yeah, I should have mentioned yeah. the face was um, um, it was very different. There was something about it, like, like it was like it was lit that. up, like yeah. it was lit up and different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this were this were a proper fully grown man playing this part with a mask on. And he's obviously bollock naked, uh, screaming. And he, apparently he had to get drunk to do this scene because he felt so comfortable doing it. Oh, God. But that's when it zooms out and it's like, yeah, it's Angela, she's a boy. But what obviously what happens is the flashbacks come in and Aunt Martha, the crazy woman from earlier, the doctor who took her in, she, she already had a son called Ricky. So she didn't want another son. She wanted a daughter. She always wanted a daughter, but now her husband left her, so she can't get a daughter naturally, so... She texts in Peter, uh, the son, the twin, who actually survived the boating accident. So it weren't Angela that survived. Angela died. Angela and the father died. The little boy survived. But the little boy came out of the hospital and uh, Martha decided she wanted a little girl. So instead of saying it was Paul, because they were twins, so they looked vaguely familiar, she dressed her up as a little girl, treated her as a little girl, must have used some sort of hormone suppressants. 
and this is what we're talking about with the transgender sort of uh, themes that run through it. Basically, it turns out Angela was actually a Peter, and yeah, she's obviously had this split sort of persona within her. Maybe she wanted to be this Peter who she were, but maybe it were Peter who were doing the killings. And obviously, you've got all this weird stuff boiling over, like Paul fancies her, and she sort of fancies Paul, so is she gay, even though she's a transgender woman, but not by choice. It's all a bit convoluted, and all this sort of boils over in this one, like, scene where she severs Paul's head and she stands up and you would think that like when I first watched it I didn't think that this would be the final scene I thought there'd be a bit of wrapping up at the end like oh yeah the camp's closed body body blah but the 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 scene is just literally Angela stands up knife in hand she screams and she's she's like letting out these bets it's like animal noises it's like it's like weird and then it like freeze frames doesn't it and it goes to like a negative image it's like very weird colored yeah and then it freeze frames on that like disturbing image because all councils like oh my god she's a boy and that's when they realize and then it just freezes and then credits roll and i think that's where this ending get, grabs you because it just stays weird it's like that image is like burnt into your brain once you see it and unless you went on the internet or looked it up or else you would not know this twist were coming at the end it's like it's a big payoff like if you if you do google this film and People said don't don't what don't read anything about it, don't know anything about the ending because it's a lot it's a big it's a lot more like impactful when you just see it for the first time without knowing. Yeah. And, uh, like I'm sure Lee would agree, I'm sure you would agree that that ending is memorable and you'll probably never forget that. And a lot of people say a film can live and die by its ending. So I think mm. this state this stays in its in your memory because of this. And this is probably why it stayed in everybody's memory and it's required like people have gone back and watched it again. And like so you, you said, think... it's haunting, isn't it? It's it's horrific. It's like it's a shift. Like a campy yeah. slasher and then it turns to this somewhere else. Yeah, this it's like a weird psychological scare. Yeah. It's horrible. I feel like they had a good idea. It was like, let's have a an accident, let's have a weird aunt, let's make it so the aunt made the kid a different gender and then at the end there's a reveal, but then it's just let's fill it with a this typical campy slasher story in the middle yeah. like it I think like the film a... could have been shorter. It could have been I feel like it was quite long. I feel like it could have been that like the hour fifteen yeah, maybe, or something. That... Maybe the scenes where they're playing baseball could have been quite out, but they're the scenes like I love watching this time. <laughs> They were good. They were good scenes. They were like they were, filler scenes. I think they would have been cut. I think nowadays they would have just gone, nah, we'll cut, we'll cut it out. Um, so, if um, you've already spoke about you, your individual low points, but I had, I had one of my own, and that was, I felt that, I, when did I write, the weird foster mum aunt needs more explanation. I felt that, other than the, oh my God, it's got a dick moment, the other part that, for me... I don't. I don't want to say ruin it. I feel that's the wrong word. But the bit that made me feel a little bit like a sentence hadn't been, you know, like it's like, oh, here's this interest. Oh, and then it just stops. We need to know more about the aunt. Why is she? Why is she like this very controlling, obsessive? Why does she switch over the gender? Why? Why is she fucking crazy? How is she a, a certified doctor? Why was she allowed to have these these children to look at? What? Why? I think I, 
It's too much of a why. Yeah, I think it's hinted at that obviously something happened with her husband. With the film, with all the issues that it touches on, I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out her husband were gay or transgender or something like that. Do you know what's what an, an housewife in the 80s might have pushed her over the edge? Maybe. Maybe it's something like, like that. Like she wasn't accepted, she lost the plot, she turned into a robot, she went yeah. quite a lot, and then she decided that apparently two boys wasn't okay. Well, she always wanted Which... a girl. So that were it. She was like, I, I, she says it. She says, I always wanted a girl, but now my husband's gone. That couldn't happen. It's like, well, yeah, you could get a new boyfriend or something. <laughs> Maybe have another baby and try. Not just, not obviously take somebody who's had a bad accident and obviously traumatized and lost all the family. Not take them and put all your shit on them and fuck them up and then turn turn the gender against their own will. Like you, you don't. You can understand where Angela's coming from. I think Angela's like the villain of the piece but she's sympathetic villain like it's basically she's the bad guy but she didn't do anything wrong it's like everybody around her did the fucked up shit like her aunt her aunt did the fucked up shit like all the people at camp did the fucked up shit the paedophile tried to molest her body 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 it's like she were always innocent and she got it all forced on her so i think that's like the way to look at it really this is how i view that film falling down with michael douglas how he didn't do anything wrong, he just got frustrated with everything around him yeah. and lost the plot. Couldn't get his breakfast at McDonald's because it was like two minutes past <laughs> yeah, the that's time. Quite, that's that quite different kind of thing. <laughs> oh no, it's 100% the same. He was having a bad time. He was affected by his surroundings in oh. such a way that he did shit that, you know, he didn't have to. That's the same with this kid. That kid was affected massively by his surroundings and went and did all this, this stuff. Like, yeah. it could have just been like chill. Ricky could have just had a nice new brother. Could have grown up with a brother and just had a great time, you know? Yeah, maybe. No. But that, that Martha didn't, didn't want that. that. Didn't. And obviously, if, if that didn't happen, we wouldn't have got this tremendous film. So It was, well, you it was all for the best. So uh, we'll do the films out of ten like we always do, but a, a typical beer score would be out of five. So we'll go for five with beers. Um, I'll, ask, uh, I'll ask Lee for his... Opinions first on the beer and then the film. Beer, um, all right. I don't really have a favourite beer. I'm, I have nothing to really compare it to because it's something very different. Having a sour, having that kind of like strong. Would, would you say strong it's? Hit. Would you say it's like this film? Nothing to compare it to. Quite unique, with a bit of a twist. Maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah. a bit of a, an oddness not yeah. discovered anywhere else. Yeah, um, very individual. Sort of, um, I love the raspberry flavour for this one. Um, the the sour kick is great. Very, uh, it's very unique for an, for a sort of like an alcoholic drink out of a bottle can, whatever. Uh, I will definitely try some more. Um, scoring out of five for the beer. Yeah. Um, that's a very good. I'm just gonna I'm gonna give it a three. Um, yeah, I'm. It's not bad. It's not great. Um, I definitely want to try a few more to put it in a bit more of a better perspective, but I think I think a three, um, I think a three sits nice for this one. I'm 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 very very happy to say that four pushes it a bit too high. Yeah. Um, but I think a three, a three is a good, a three is a good solid. Do you know what I mean? A three is a is a good. It's more than acceptable. I think a three is a, a three is a good. Yeah, it's better than average. I, a bit better than average. Yeah, three is definitely better than average. Yeah. Um, um, as for the film. 
bit of silence there. Um, so it's better than Deadly Prey. <laughs> Is that every film going to be better yeah. than Deadly Prey? That's the stick that he judges. I have to. Comp- That's like the first thing is there. It's better than Deadly Prey. Not watching a film is better than <laughs> Deadly Prey. Wrong, he's wrong. Um, yeah, it's not as good as Chopping Mall. I will give this film um, mainly because I didn't feel like I was. it was boring me. I could watch it, but it wasn't as interesting as Chopping Mall or exciting. And I do like the sci-fi from like Chopping Mall. Um, the ending was odd. But better than the film, like the payoff for watching the film is worth it. Yeah, like Chopping Mall was like it was just all the all pretty much the same all the way through. I didn't feel like there was a big payoff to watching it. It was just like yay, it's like watching Die Hard or something. Yay, they won. They they, they a typical action film sort of thing. Um, I'll, I'm gonna sit this at seven because I think it's. I, I, I said to myself in my head six. I think it's better than a six. I think it's a seven. Um, if the actual con, if the, I think if the content of the main body of the film would have been a little bit better, like like the shower, if there was blood on her back, if it was more of a a, a gaping wound, I think they went over the top with the um, special effects. Even though they were good, I felt that like that the damage done to it, that the guy with the stinging, I think you, it just you looked at it and just went shit's not real, you know. It's just not going to happen. And although it looked good, it felt, I felt justifiably, I felt like it was a bit of a letdown in the the fact that it was so far gone. So I'm going to have to stick to, uh, I'm going to, a seven, a seven for this, for this film. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad it was part of the selection. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm glad I was introduced to this film. Yeah, that's a respectable score. Yeah, and like I said, a friend at work watched uh, Chopping Mall and thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I am going to rec- they love they love they say they love crap B yeah. movies. So because of that, I'm going to recommend. Yeah, this that, film. that that's the thing. Would you recommend it to somebody? Hundred percent. Yeah. I, if you I, if you like films in general, I'd probably go look. It's a bit shit, but the ending's interesting. You might enjoy it. Also, it's one of them where you can sort of guess what's going on throughout the film. You're constantly going, "Who's the killer?" Yeah. Who who is it? Is it Ricky? Is it is it is it something that's coming out of the lake? Is it you know? Is it is it that kind of fantasy slash sci fi element? Is it something from the dead that's doing it? Because I thought that for the, for a moment. I'm like, is it you know? Is it um, is it Angela's brother coming and like killing? And protecting her, it could have been. Yeah. If that was the if that was the ending, you could have seen Angela could have seen her brother at the end, and he could have disappeared into the lake, True. and just gone off. And that would have been for me. That would have been a justifiable ending. I would have accepted that as an ending. But obviously, this was far more of an interesting yeah. ending yeah. than it, that would have been a little bit more generic. And I don't think it would have achieved achieved any level of um, notoriety yeah, yeah, yeah. or popularity. Uh, I think they can sit as two words. They can sit quite nicely next to each other. Yeah, seven. Sam. I'll stick to my seven. All good. So uh, seven from Lee and uh, three for his beer. What do you say, Nate, for your beer first? Uh, I'm gonna go with a three point five for my beer. Um, it's the thickest sour I've had, um, and it's more like a meal. Um, it's 
he's quite yeah. nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's. I prefer my sours a little bit more sweeter. This one is edges towards the the bitter side of fruit. Um, but it's, it's, mine was it's too actually. I felt like it didn't nice. have enough sweetness uh, to would, it. I would drink it again. Yeah. Yeah. This and, one. Uh, Sweet boy, Cam. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shock you a little bit with this one. I'm gonna give it a eight and eight point five, and I think this is the highest nice. one I'll give. And that's that's more to do with the fact that um, in my B movie tastes are uh, more horror slash slasher, slash slasher, no pun intended. For my for my tastes, I prefer I prefer those ones. So. I, this is this is a film that I uh, I would recommend, uh, and I uh, I already knew the ending. Um, not that I've seen it before, uh, but that's because YouTube spoiled it for me. Because I I watch a lot of lists on stuff and about other other films and stuff, and that was one of the twist endings. One of the films that gets uh, t- talked about a lot, um, and that's yeah. that's why I was looking forward to watching this one. So I knew the ending for that. And what what about you, Fiabia? Um. Well, that beer were fucking amazing. That was one of the nicest sours I've ever had. And I've drunk a lot of sour beer. Um, that was, like, like you said, a Solero. You could even, you were telling me it was a Solero mm. in a glass. Like, and you I, you couldn't even smell it or taste it or out. And it were a Solero in a glass. That, I, I'd, I, I'd say that were like a 4.5. And that's, that, that, that's a definite 4.5. So that were a quality yeah. beer. If, uh, if you like sour beers... Maybe you could pick that up sometime. I don't know how often you'd see one of them about, but yeah, definitely recommend that. As for the film, as I've said to you two, I've watched this film a lot. Um, the problem I have with doing this podcast is when I've watched these films originally, I've watched them now and again, and I've always been like, oh, that's a good film, that's a good film. And then when I've come to picking this list, I've, uh, I've like, oh, yeah. I'd be interested to see what Nathan and Lee think about this one, this one, this one. And Nathan actually picked this one out because he wanted to watch it. And obviously, I've seen it and I thought it was a quality film. But I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be good to watch. But the problem I have is the more... When we watch the, when we do these podcasts, I, I watch the film again. So maybe I've seen it two or three times before. Then I watch it again. And then I make me notes and I might watch it again. And the more I dig into the film, the deeper I get into them, the more I start to love them. So, like... Like, Deadly Prey might have been, for me, like a seven, but after I dug into it, I was like, oh, I love this film. And then we talked about it, and I loved it even more. And it's sort of saying with Sleepaway Camp, if I'd have prob- if it have just, first time I ever watched it, from a single viewing, I might have said, oh, that's a seven, that's an eight. But I've watched it again, and then I've dug, and then we've watched it again, and I've dug into it, and I've dug into it. And the thing with Sleepaway Camp, what Choppy Mall didn't have was... The characters were all right, but like we said, they, were no, they weren't defined. You didn't really know who the main character. Dead to the Prey had one good character, who were Danton. But Sleepaway Camp has got so many good characters and so many memorable characters. And even the bit part characters are memorable and good. Like Mozart, he's just like a throwaway character, but he's so good. Like Billy, he's so good. Just every every little like character has got a little quirks and they're just great love them. And more I've dug into it and I said to you, throughout this podcast that the layers of this film it deserves watching it over like a lot of times and the more i've watched it the more i loved it so uh this is going to be the highest rating i've given it i'm no one being boring because i give every film like a nine so i feel like that this one 
after we've watched these three has like actually come up that's rose through the ranks and it's I did I wouldn't think when I made this list that this would have been the best film on the list so far. So I'm giving it a nine point five. Um I would have given it a ten but there's just some slight issues with plot like where it could unravel if you picked it it like with that with Ricky being it always stuff like that. But like I said, I think that's a throwaway thing that they just got wrong when they made it and they didn't realise that it twenty years later or whatever we'd be watching it on Blu ray. So I'd forgive them for that, but I'll knock it down a little bit. I don't want to give a solid ten, but I definitely say nine point five, and I definitely recommend it to anybody, even if you don't like these type of films. I mean, Lee's said that he enjoyed it and he got stuff from it, and obviously that ending stays weird. So, if someone like Lee can enjoy it to an extent and give it a seven, then I think that people can enjoy it. What whatever. It was only I will say it was only really the ending which brought it up a little bit. Yeah, because it's a memorable ending and. Yeah, just for that, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's an average. It's an average of eight point three for all three of us on this. So as, as a, as a eight point three, we'll round it up to like eight point five then, sir. Yeah, sure. Yeah, eight point five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is Deadly Prey was a uh, was that an eight point five? I don't a bit no a bit lower eight on it. And Chopping Mall was a uh, eight point five. So this this matches up with Chopping Mall. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Because me and Nathan, sco- Nathan scored it higher and I scored it higher, so it's brought it up on it. Shame. <laughs> Shame. You should drop, <laughs> drop it down a bit. No, I think that's a that's a fine score. I I I firmly believe Lee. If you in a few years you might think, oh, I want to watch a crap film or turn my brain off. Oh, I know. Oh, Sleepaway Camp. I remember that. And you'll watch it, and you, then the second time round, I think you'll enjoy it a bit more. I won't. You I won't, won't because. I won't because I think because I know the ending. Yeah, I but I I, I know the ending and I found even more of it watching it. I I hate to say that I think you're special then in <laughs> in, in in this regard in, in the B movie in regards to these films. I think you ha- your love is um, something which affects I think you and your way you where you look at them and, and appreciate them. I think more. I like to dig out. I like to dig through the trash and find the best thing in the trash. And this is yeah, definitely sure. the best thing in the trash. One of the best. As long as it's higher than Deadly Prey, I'm not really uh, too bad. Yeah, it would point five higher for me. <laughs> Just. But yeah, so yeah, that wraps it up, doesn't it then? Is that it, lads? Are we yes. yes. Fully yeah. fully sorted. We've discussed it. We've talked about it. We've rated it. That's Sleepaway Camp, I'm sure. If you've made it this far, I'm sure you you should have watched it. If you haven't, then we've ruined it. Yeah. You, but go and watch it anyway. Um, we're... We're going to wrap it up there. Just going to say goodbye. Um, his next film is one that I've picked out that I've not actually seen and I've been wanting to watch it for a while just because the trailer alone will make you laugh your head off. But it's uh, The Dumpster Fire that is Arnold Schwarzenegger's first film, I believe, uh, Hercules in New York, <laughs> where his, his voice is dubbed over by some like hokey American guy. So... Obviously, he plays Hercules and he's in New York. Uh, I really want to watch this. Uh, obviously, it's a change of pace from his regular viewing. We've been sticking to like action and horror and stuff, a bit of sci-fi. This is like straight out there, just crazy fantasy, muscle-bound crap. Um, I'm sure it'll be dreadful, but I'm sure it'll be worthy to talk about. And I'm, we're going to pair it with some beers. In the vein of Arnold Schwarzenegger, we're paired with a high ABV beer, as in high strength. So 
to match Arnold's muscles, we're going with a muscular beer. So I've set the bar at I've set the bar at ten percent or higher ABV, but it couldn't be a little. I, I'll be able to get hold of some at no problem. If you go into a supermarket, it might be a bit difficult. I've listed yeah. on his letterbox. I've listed a few beers that you can find in supermarkets, uh, but we'll accept anything above eight percent. But if you could try and get somewhere above ten, that'd be better. I'll be getting right. We'll 10. have a look. We'll have yeah. a look. So yeah, that's his next film. Uh, so if that's everything, I think it's time to just say goodbye. Nathan's going to say something, but he's forgot. I've been Lee. I've uh, I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed being part of this today. It's been yeah. interesting. I'll see you next time. Be fun. Bye bye. A great way to join in the fun is by checking out the Letterboxd account. There's a link below. Uh, there's a full list of films and some beer recommendation notes on there as well. Don't forget to support your smaller independent shops. And as always, drink responsibly.